you've seen these films. Haven't you, my man? And why not? The movie podcast and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie that they love. This episode I'm joined by That Comic Smells, Tom Stewart, to discuss the 1999 film The Green Mile. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the film talk, and as always, you can keep the conversation going in the comments, on our socials, in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. And now, with all that out of the way, let's roll the trailer. You think if a man sincerely repents on what he'd done wrong, he might get to go back to the time that was happiest for him and live there forever? That'd be what heaven's like. I just about believe that very thing. John Coffey, you have been condemned to die in the electric chair by a jury of your peers, sentence imposed by a judge in good standing in this state. Questions? Do you leave the light on after bedtime? I know violent men. I deal with them day in and day out. There doesn't seem to be any real violence in him. Until he kills a couple of little girls. John Coffey is a murderer. I don't think he did it at all. Take my hand, boss. You see for yourself. You're talking about a miracle. I do not see God putting a gift like that in the hands of a man who would kill a child. I dreamed of you. We found each other in the dark. Like he dropped out of the sky. Miracles are funny things. You never know when they're going to happen. And when they happen in a place like this, that's the most unbelievable miracle of all. This is the story of a miracle that happened here where I work, on the Green Mile. Hello, Tom. How are you? Hey, man. Not too bad. How are you? Oh, not too bad, thank you. You know, ticking on. <laughs> en- enjoying Sur- the... Surviving in this new living with COVID world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Even though yeah. more and more people I know seem to be fucking dropping with it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you being uh, in the southern regions of this uh, fair United Kingdom that we call it, uh, you will be coming up against more idiots than up here. <laughs> <laughs> more people I know seem to be testing positive now than when we were. Yeah. Uh, now, now we're learning to live with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I ignore it. <laughs> At least people are testing for, for around you. That's one thing. <laughs> well, yeah, until they have to start paying for them. Yeah, that's very true. The the amount of people I go to, though, um, you know, for, for the job, and it's like, oh, just done a test, not got the results back yet, but you should be all right. I'm like, um, <laughs> I'll excuse me. Okay. Could have dropped that to me before I got here, but thanks very much. You know. 
I mean, I, I've said before, it's been the greatest thing for me because I'm an antisocial fucker anyway, so I've not needed to make up excuses to not go places. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. So now I'm going to have to go back to, do you want to come to my wedding? Be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Just no. <laughs> you had the you had the excuse of COVID for ages. Now you've just got back to, to go back to being a prick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping enough people will take the hint and I won't get invited to things anymore. Yeah, it's great. I I really wish that would happen for me. <laughs> I've already told my kids if they get married, I'm not coming. In. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm planning on being dead then, <laughs> but not the next day. <laughs> I can't get out of work. Sorry. <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, but but yeah, how's everything else going? Podcast and all that stuff going. Yeah, fine, man. We've just been um, recording away, banking away episodes. Uh, I think I've I think I've said that to you before that we kind of just record stuff and then it goes away in a separate folder and then I just sort of pick from the folder and put the episodes up. So they you know they don't really come out you know the next day or within that time. I sort of just hold on to them for a it's, while. It's not like a Tony stuff where he's like, yeah, this will come out in the next couple of days and then you get a message ten minutes after you finish recording. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like um thanks for doing that episode mate oh yeah thanks very much if you could just share that on twitter now that'd be great <laughs> like oh all right okay i used to do that with nerds when we didn't edit at all when i didn't even put theme music on it or anything and he'd send me the audio file and i'd upload it he thought, yep aren't you even gonna like cut it down i don't know it's gone out as is <laughs> so you, we'll just you, have to live with anything we said it's you guys and tony you've got a good confidence and you do a solid episode from start to finish right there we're eating stuff we're shouting over each other we, we've been chatting about loads of shit for the first like hour and a half to three hours or whatever you know um i i think i said to you before i think i've said this multiple times before i edit down like four and a half hours worth of us meeting <laughs> down to an hour and a half or whatever you know you wouldn't um, know though it no <laughs> all flows such a nice conversation the only thing you bastards did was when i was like far enough away from home and busting for a wee <laughs> and then one of you fuckers starts pouring a drink <laughs> sometimes i'll occasionally leave that in right enough just so that i can get somebody like you <laughs> it's, it's like you know it's like it's a way about now so I'm just slowly pour this it's the wee um it's the wee little you know the little hot water canteen things that you can get for filling your your <laughs> coffee. It's one of them. It is. It genuinely is one of them. And it sits like just behind us, so it gets picked up on the mic all the time. Um, it used to be uh, that we'd have the big jug of water and we would sort of share that out and stuff. But it's, it's just we, we're being the way it was and stuff. And we just do that now, and everybody brings their own mug and all that kind of stuff, which is a nightmare for me. I built up a massive collection of mugs. They've all had to go in the bloody cupboard. I'm raging. <laughs> I was always happy to put, you know, the Justice League mug, the one that's shaped like Wally, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yes. Whereas now in COVID times, it's like, oh yeah, bring your shitty chilies bottle with you. It's fine. <laughs> Who was it on the last one? Turned up with a multi-pack of Iron Brew. <laughs> That's oh, Dave. 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 <laughs> Dave always turns up with a multi pack of Amber. It's great. <laughs> it's like I went in for a drink and I just thought I'd buy a multi pack instead. <laughs> yeah. He did that in the last recording as well. Uh, we did Secret Wars recently and he was like, Anyone fancy an Iron Brew? I'm like, Yeah, all right. And then just slaps this big Iron Brew extra on the table. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> Actually, give me a total hanker and then for like the next week. I was just buying multi packs of Iron Brew. <laughs> Even I was, I've had Iron Brew for years. I was like, quite fancy an Iron Brew. Yeah, it really puts you in the mood. It does. It really does. 
fucking hungry and thirsty your podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and with a desire to buy comics. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the end of the game. <laughs> but it's like an old like food and drink but with comics in it as well. Yeah, exactly. But none we, of the pretension. We always have a a good mixer. That's what it is. It's like a, it's like a party. <laughs> nice sousson. <sort> of. <laughs> but the, the busting for a wee thing oddly ties in nicely to the film we're talking about in a horrible way. <laughs> it does, yeah. I'm glad I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it really does. Because <laughs> that's pretty much Tom Hanks running across that lawn. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> oh, I mean, mate. Down that... to the, collapsing in a heap and crying. Yep. <laughs> but... But anyway, I've, I mean, anybody who looks at the title of this episode, it would have given it away anyway. But yeah, t- today we're talking about the Green Mile. Yes. So uh, Tom, okay. t- apparently, just Tom Hanks Green Mile. May I add? <laughs> if you look at any poster, the front of the DVD, anything, it's just Tom Hanks the Green Mile. Nobody yeah. else is in it. Just Tom Hanks. <laughs> to be fair. I mean, and yeah. That's pretty much how films like that get greenlit now, isn't it? Yeah, it's very true. It's very but, true. Yeah, but this is a, what, 23-year-old film or something like that? 22? Yeah. yeah, so... All right, a little bit about it then. Um, written by Frank Darabont, based on the novel by Stephen King, or the series of novels that made up a novel. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, directed by Frank Darabont as well, starring Tom Hanks, David Morse, Bonnie Hunt, Michael Clark Duncan, James Cromwell, Michael Jeter, uh, Graham Greene, uh, Doug Hutchinson, Sam Rockwell, and many others. Barry Pepper, Harry Dean Stanton, Patricia mm-hmm. Clarkson. Pretty much done everyone on the post now, I think. Jeffrey D. Munn. <laughs> there you go. Now I've done everyone. Um, <laughs> released in cinemas on the 10th of December 1999 in the US, and we got it on the 3rd of March 2000 over here. Uh, grossed $286,801,376 worldwide on an estimated budget of $60 million, according to IMDb. And I couldn't find a Barry Norman review for it, but I've got a Roger Ebert one. Uh, he gave it three and a half stars out of four, saying the movie would have been diminished at two hours. Uh, it would have been a series of episodes with no context. As Darabont directs it, tell, uh, directs it, it tells a story beginning, middle and end. Vivid characters, humour, outrage and emotional release, uh, which I think is fair enough. Yeah, that's very fair enough. Either, but, um, I watched the TV show. It's not Siskel by that point, because Siskel had died. But, and the guest on it was like, why does it need to be three hours? And I was like, I kind of it doesn't work if it's not three hours no and also the three hours just fly by yeah it's not one of those films where you're like why the fuck is this three hours yeah no i, I always forget Snyder's justice league <laughs> no, no exactly <laughs> or wolf of wall street fucking yeah, hell fucking hell that's a chore oh it was um yeah like this just totally flies in i actually forgot that it was three hours and was sitting last night thinking Gosh, you know, it's still early yet. And then looked at the clock and was like, holy shit, it's time for bed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just, if this had been, like he said, if this had been any shorter, it would have just been ridiculous. Um, It's one of those films I look at and I'm like, what would you actually lose to cut it down? um, You you maybe cut out Graham Greene, but then without that execution, it doesn't set it up for the emotional payoff for when Dell's executed. Yep. Um, it's like, what What do you cut out? I have no idea. You uh, need the stuff with the warden and his wife. You need Tom some Hanks of the, going to see Gary Sinise. You need. <laughs> yep. I was going to say maybe some of the more kind of stupid stuff for Wild Bill, but even then, it gives you more of a. It builds up his character. You don't really I think get. You need it because I think you need to sort of 
not necessarily like Wild Bill, but enjoy you have have him. Con- you just have to have some sort of connection that isn't just, oh, he's a baddie. Yeah. You know I mean, you have to have something else in there. Because um, one of the notes I made was that because Percy's very much set up to be, until the reveal of who Wild Bill actually is, Percy's yeah. very much set up to be the boo hiss. Mm-hmm character you hate and the fact he's played by the guy that played tombs in the x-files as well <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which when yeah. you see that guy interviewed he's lovely i'd love to see him play a nice character in summer <laughs> but he's... unfortunately he's just got one of those faces i don't think they'd ever cast him <laughs> he's also a bit of a nutter yeah yeah i've heard he's he's not <sighs> he's not all there <laughs> um, that doesn't surprise me but yeah there's, there's think, quite a good interview with him i think it's on one of the making of where he's like you know i'm in this film but i'm playing this character so i never actually get to be with those guys <laughs> so that shit probably would fucking push you over but it is weird when you're given like you know dell's a murdering rapist arsonist self-confessed and convicted mm-hmm. and still you're like i prefer him to percy <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? <clears throat> That's one of the bits of this this movie that I, I always seem to just neglect is that these guys are on death row. They're not on death row for no reason. <laughs> yeah. They're on death row because they're murderers. They're, they're killers. You know what I mean? They're, they're, you don't get put on death row for stealing a loaf of bread. You know I mean? No, it's... the only two... That, like I say, Dell is the worst one that, and um, Wild Bill. They're the two you find out about. I think... Um... Graham Greene's character accidentally killed somebody in a fight over a pair of boots, I think was the backstory for him. Oh, really? So you've got the ambiguous thing. And obviously, Michael Clark Duncan was innocent. Yeah, well, yeah. Spoiler. (laughs) There'll be a spoiler in the show notes. It's like, by now, if people don't realise that we spoil the films when we talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, um, yeah, I think for for a film that can be. For for a film that can be summed up as old man reminisces on his time on death row where he witnessed a miracle, um, you know I I think for for that to then be three hours long, I think if you if you said that and then said it was three hours long, you'd be like fucking hell. Yeah. But if you then just say <laughs> it's a three hour long film where everybody, including Tom Hanks, acts their absolute ass off, then you go yeah okay I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. on the subject of the old man just kicking it off. How good is Dabs Greer as an old man Tom Hanks? Oh my god! Like, I genuinely incredible. thought initially that it was like really good old man makeup on Tom Hanks because he's got the mannerisms and Everything. Like, the essence of Tom Hanks down perfectly. Yep, I was like, that's he... really good old man makeup. And then I was like, it doesn't quite look right though. Yep, they not also... in a it's bad makeup kind of way, and it just doesn't. It looks like Tom Hanks, but it doesn't look like Tom Hanks. Yeah, uh, for for the longest time, I would always say. Ah, oh, there's no way that he grows up to be Tom Hanks. But then it was when I was watching it last night, I'm sitting looking, going, God, he's got his eyes, he's got his little like the sort of plump bits of his cheeks, he's got his chin, um Is he's the, got the, the same manner or the, talks, the yeah. way he moves. Even for an old man you know, his old man moving. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because I, I think they tried prosthetics on Tom Hanks to make him the old man. It just looked right. shit. I'd, I'd, if they'd done that, it would have just made a total comic. It would, it, it would have been like watching The Irishman. We're like, this is really good how they've de-aged them, but they're still moving like guys in their 70s and 80s. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, like, so it's just taking me out of this performance of him as a 30-year-old or whatever it is. But it's like you say, when you see him at the end walking down the hospital hallway and him walking down the Green Mile in his uniform, it's yeah. the exact same walk. 
it's the exact same walk it's like my god like how did he do that did he sit and study hanks walking in that uniform and go i'm gonna walk like that like just in many ways it's sort of a thankless role isn't it yeah it's a bit like brandon race when he played superman it's like do it like christopher reeve all right (laughs) yeah yeah it's but he does i'd have watched a whole film of that old man Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be to be just the bookends of the film as well like yeah he just the those two the uh god who's who's at the place the his pal oh um i didn't know her name down yeah i can never remember i I do know it but i I can't remember off the top of my head um but those two were just perfect as pals as well you know that wasn't like a romance thing it wasn't like they were having a wee love interest in the in the home or anything they were just mates they were mates in this old folks home and oh man it's just it's an incredible it's an incredible film where everyone is given a hundred percent yeah and in in some absolutely perfect movies there is at least one person that is like oh they're phoning in or oh check that extra over there or something like that every single person the people that turn up to witness the executions everything they're just firing at all cylinders and i don't yeah. know if it's just because frank darabont has a total knack for getting the best out of folk or what but holy hell like it's just it's such a feat of acting like to to see them all it's just it's incredible what's it i mean no offense to him but barry pepper can be wooden as fuck in some mm-hmm. <laughs> and even he is brilliant. i mean Sort of the one that really stands out for me for doing nothing in particular is David Morse. Yes. Because you always overlook him because it's Tom Hanks, it's Michael Clark Duncan, and then James Cromwell gets the emotional stuff. David Morse is just like the solid rock through the centre of it. Yeah, he's incredible. Um, he and Jeffrey Demun uh, as well as the other guard. They're both sort of, again, they could be nothing roles, but they bring such character to them. Yeah. It's, yeah, like I say, it's a you know no weak link weak links in this film yeah not a single one not a single one and like you say the whole thing of um a uh, what's his name doug, uh, doug hutchinson yeah um like you say he's you know the the boo hiss character you could he could just he could have really just played that whole role as yeah. just a total sneering little snitching villain the whole time but there's just there's little elements throughout it as well of him trying to do something, you know, just just that little bit of humanity in there, the little bit when he's getting caught reading the little nudie comic yeah. in the in the thing and everything, and it's just there's just little nuances throughout all of them, and it's like those guys really fucking brought it, whether they were just directed that way or what, but I I fully believe that those guys were just all behind the project i mean even when you read like little bits about um i think it was it david morse that was like he got extra emotional when he first read the script he was saying yeah he was just like i can't believe this like he said he says it's like one of the best things he's ever done it shows it really shows brutus is a a incredible character like you see he's just a solid yeah he does nothing particularly spectacular he doesn't he could easily have in other hands blended into the background mm-hmm. but he's just such a likable character so even gary sneeze i always remember gary sneeze being in the film more for some reason i always remember gary sneeze being one of the guards and he's not 
but just that tiny little bit of Gary Sinise. I think because you mix it up with other Tom Hanks Gary Sinise movies, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You just think he's in it for more. But then yeah. I, as I was watching it, I was like, he's not a guard because where would he come in? Yeah, he's barely in it. <laughs> That's it. He's got that one great scene where you're like, you know, I, I like this guy because Gary Sinise, but at the same time, he's been massively racist. <laughs> He is, and that's where there's very few times that race really comes into it in this film. I was, I, I remembered it being in it a lot more, and then I kind of watched it and was like, there's not really a lot of times. I mean, there's a, you know, while Bill comes out with the N-word yeah. a couple of times or whatever, and um, some of the guards and stuff will, will say stuff about um it using using the the derivation of the n-word or whatever um the, the polite version of the yeah. n-word oh. um <laughs> but you know like they'll, they'll come out with, but it's because it's written within that time period and stuff yeah. as well um but it's barely in it really and he's the one gary sinise is the one that really comes out with it yeah the most harshly and he, he, he equates a a black person to a rabid dog. <laughs> well, yeah, like, they kind of set ooh. Gary Sneese up a bit like uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, kind of. You know, <laughs> he's the guy with glasses, sat on his porch, two mm-hmm. kids. And you're like, oh, he's going to be that sweet sort of... Gregory Peck type Gregory character. Gregory Peck type character. <laughs> and you sort of... It feels like that to begin with. You know, the wife offers Tom Hanks' character a drink and all that. And you're like, this is going to be a nice thing. And he's going to be like, that man is innocent. And then he's like, no, they're like a rabid dog. And it's like... Jesus. Yep. He's like everybody. Everybody um, deserves fair representation, but uh, was he like a good a, a good N word is like a, a a good dog. You feed him, you do this, and it's like, oh my god, like mate, <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> um, and then he does the whole thing where he's like, yeah, and that dog. He tells the whole story about the dog biting his kid and like yeah. losing his eye and stuff, and he's like, uh, but he's like, oh, I love that dog, but I still took him out there and shot him right in the head. I was like, fucking hell! No, he doesn't even say that. He just blew his brains out. It's yeah. Like, oh, okay. All right, man. <laughs> like, this story is already intense enough as it is. You've already showed your kid's mauled face, and then you have to go to the full intensity of, I took him out back and I blew his goddamn brains out. You're like, okay. <laughs> What's it? Because it would have been very easy to play the race card, and I know that I read a thing, it was an interview with Stephen King, where he'd said about that some people have pushed back about the fact that John Coffey was a black man. And, you know, that was a racist thing, and Stephen King's argument for it was that no he had to be a black man because that's the only way he would have instantly been found guilty and put on death row yeah if he was a white guy there would have been it would have been different mm-hmm. and, you know sadly that's still the same case for a lot of things in america yeah well look at well look at that look at well bill yeah like he, he'd evaded capture for ages even though he'd he'd been done with wrong doings like he'd been done with uh, different types of burglary, arson. He'd killed folk, um, and he just got let go. And it wasn't until he he got caught. Like was it he killed? Oh god, what was he it? He killed a pregnant woman in a bank robbery. Didn't that he? was it. Yeah, yeah. That's what killed got him caught. Woman. Yeah. Because um, it's yeah, just... it's the guy that's living in your house that suddenly disappeared after your daughters were murdered. Yeah, fucking hell. Logically, you'd be like that guy was kind of iffy, actually. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah. Yeah, now he's gone. <laughs> completely but, gone but we'll blame the guy that's lying with him like that'll do but, 
I, you know, I think the uh, I tried to take it back kind of doesn't help. Yeah, that doesn't help. But then he's just got limited language because he's never yeah. been taught to read or write or anything. You know what I mean? That's it. It's, but um, <sighs> that's sort of, you know, it's, it's a Stephen King story, so naturally kids die horribly in it. No, <laughs> that's, that's true. Do you know what it's, I, I saw the thing with um, Sam Rock where it was like he hated doing that scene with the kids because he loved working with the kids and got on so well with them. Mm-hmm. And it's just so menacing that, you know, if yep. you make a sound, I'll kill her first. Oh, it's horrible. He Sam Rockwell is an incredible actor, and yeah. I have I, I I he's one of those actors that I'll follow to anything. Like if he's in something, I'm like, well, I'm watching it. I don't care what's yeah. who else is in it, who it's written by, directed by. I'll watch it because Sam Rockwell's in it. But it took me so long to get Wild Bill out of my head whenever I saw him. That scene, like I say, statement. I, I've it's no secret. I've said it before. Stuff involving bad things happening to kids is one of my things that I really struggle with. Mm-hmm. It's like I can watch like you know multiple people getting blown away in fucking ridiculous ways, but it's just like as soon as you involve kids, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like I say, just his delivery in that scene is so sinister. The the bit with him painting and he says, "I've worked enough for one day." Uh, yeah, I've worked enough for one day. Come and get something to eat. And he's just standing looking at the kids and he's these like teeth smiling, like a yeah. horrible nicotine covered teeth. It's just like, oh, my God. And he just looks so menacing. Um, so it's just, oh, he does such a good job. Like, he's incredible. Because like I said, you ca- until you realise that, you kind of enjoy him. You know he's a monster, but you mm-hmm. kind of enjoy him because there's the craziness to him. Yep. Um. And it's just so satisfying when it is Percy that fucking under. <laughs> yeah. Having had coffee spew the stuff into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, him. And Percy's got such a satisfying ending as well. <laughs> he does, yeah. Because he's that, that foreshadowing the entire film about him going to Briar Ridge. Yeah. And then he ends up in Briar Ridge as a fucking patient. You know what I mean? It's like, and oh, it, amazing. It leads to that amazing line from the other guard who... I'm not even sure who plays him, but with the, uh, you know, I think this boy's cheese slid off his cracker. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such an amazing... I just and, think know, the of... The fact he ends up staring out of that window the same as what yep. Bill was when he was faking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exact same vacant expression, stance, everything. Um, but I just think of, well, Bill, at that bit when he's, like, strangling um, a... What do you call him? Uh, fucking hell names are disappearing um, in my head Dean Stanton yeah Uh, when he's strangling Dean and he knocks over Harry and everything and headbutts him and all this kind of stuff and (laughs) and Brutus comes up behind him and smacks him over the head he just turns around like you're a big fucker (laughs) where the fuck you come from (laughs) that's so good he just smashes him Um, it's just the the south accents and everything on all of them is just tremendous yeah a lot a lot of the women and stuff in it and a lot of the a lot of the guys the guards on the block and stuff are kind of you know they've almost got the accents of like southern gentlemen and you know the southern bell women and stuff like that's almost kind of how they they sound um i think hank's kind of would sometimes slip in and out of his own accent but he gets off with it yeah. Um he's got a sort of a slight inflection every now and then. He kinda of sounds like he's maybe 
maybe come from another town or something into there you know what i mean so it's not so bad again i think it's a bit like the sean connery thing i think if you're doing an accent and it gets in the way of a performance then i'd much rather you just don't have the accent yeah or that you occasionally slip out of the accent if tom hanks had slipped out of the accent and the performance been bad because he was trying to maintain the louisiana accent i don't think but you know you sort of if the performance is good enough, you let things like that slide. Yeah, totally. Again, I know we all like to take the piss out of Sean Connery as a Scottish Russian man or <laughs> as a Scottish Spaniard. Or... <laughs> but but just... at the same time, it's like, if it's going to hamper his performance in the film, mm-hmm. but I just, I, you, I... you just accept it, don't you? It's like when you watch films and it's just like, you know, English people playing Russian. It's yeah. Like you just accept they've got an English accent. It's yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, because otherwise you'd be sitting through it going, fucking hell, like, this is hard to understand. Um... But it's it was just even good in that dynamic of all of them having a more refined tongue than the prisoners. Yeah. The prisoners were all, you know, Dell's like Cajun. Um, yeah. And uh, while Bill's just so Southern that he's just all these sentences just merge into one, basically. John's got a um, very limited vocabulary and it's very basic you know, um, and then all the rest of them are just eloquent and, you know, it's like it just shows the kind of almost the class system right there, regardless yeah. of them being prisoners or guards or what, you know, and it's almost showing you like the poor are going to turn to crime. Yeah. Um, But it's just, oh, it's incredible. But it, it shows other things as well. I mean, there's allegories out the fucking ear in this entire film, you know. Um, it's, it's quite interesting that, you know, Aside from Wild Bill, there are no white Caucasian Americans on death row. You've got Harry Dean Stanton that the first time I watched it, I was like, when's he? He's not... And it took me a little while to click that he's not actually on death row. They just bring him in to do the dead man walking thing. Yeah, he's the caterer. Yeah. Uh, or caretaker, sorry, caterer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gives them all the food. Um, no, <laughs> he's the caretaker. Because um, the first he time I watched him... it, it didn't click. And I was like, it's weird that you don't really ever see him on death row. Apart from the... I was like, oh, yeah, you twat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know what he was because you never actually see him like a No, I thought he was anything. another prisoner that they brought in. Yeah from another thing just to do that bit <clears throat> like you know he's the guy who goes around with instead of the guy who goes around with the library cart yeah he's yeah. the guy they bring in to do the dead man walking sitting down sitting down <laughs> i love he's... that scene as well where the you know like that was pretty funny it's like yeah we'll get out of your head now oh that <clears throat> when harry Har- dean stanton's <clears throat> line that he delivers is fucking brilliant i, ca- I can't remember who he says but just when he's like, you got any last requests? Oh, you got anything else you want to say? Like, yeah, I want to shit in your hat. <laughs> and I want somebody, somebody to go sit in my face because I'm one horny motherfucker. <laughs> like, it's so good. <laughs> and like, you're laughing the exact same as them because it's just, it's delivered perfectly. It's so funny. But like, you even see... um you even see Tom Hanks' character, um, like he he finds it funny, but then like Paul's going, no 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 no, this has to be fucking serious. You know what I mean? He's the one yeah. to sort of be like, no, there's a reason he's in charge. Yeah. You know, he's he's the guy that's telling them all, like he's the one that's really running the show and saying to them like, no fucking way, get this out of your head. This is serious. This is a guy's life we're going to be taking at the end of the day. Um, you cannot be up there fucking laughing and with. <clears throat> 
all the religious stuff, all the religious elements that go throughout this film, he, he even throws in that little part. He's like, you ever tried to not laugh in church? Um, he's like, it's fucking hard when you're up there. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, it, it, it's like agony. Um, and he's right. I mean, yeah. when I think back when I was at school and we would have to go across the church and one of my mates would either fart or say something and it'd just be constantly for the next like three hours just trying not to laugh <laughs> you know what I mean it's, it's that did you ever used to watch coupling oh no no there's an episode where they talk about trying to suppress a laugh at a funeral it's like stacking oh. pint glasses one on top of the other <laughs> it's like at a certain point you're gonna hit it where that stack's just gonna fall yep it's like I still can't go to funerals with that popping into my head and then you just try and not think of anything funny yep yeah, I, uh, I I couldn't stop laughing at a funeral once because th- there was a woman that was there that was singing all the songs completely out of time and out of tune. She thought <laughs> she shut, thought she knew the songs. She would get like a couple of the lines, but she wouldn't get the rest of it. And I, c- I just couldn't stop laughing. You know, this whole the choirs all singing all these things, and all I can hear is her going <laughs> at the back. And she wasn't like she was crying or anything. She was just trying her best. <laughs> She's trying to get a trying to get a Grammy in the seat there, you know, <laughs> just going for it. And I could not stop laughing. Um, and it's right. Like, you're just suppressing it so hard. So when it, you know, them all pushing themselves laughing at this guy, this stupid fucking caretaker that's doing this stuff, and they're about to then go through with electrocuting a person until they die. It's like, yeah, you need to get that out of your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even then, that's a very, very small section of that film. That is like a less than one minute bit of that film. And it just shows all of their characters perfectly. Yeah. I, I saw one of the criticism. It might have actually been in, I think Roger Ebert touched on it in his review as well. About, you know, they're, they're nicer than I imagine any Luciana, uh, Luciana death row yeah more than actually is but it's kind of that kind of shit comes from the top down doesn't it it's mm-hmm. the tone is set by the tom hanks character yep not that i'm saying that you know under different people well you know potentially under a different leadership they could have all been percy's but and the only reason percy gets away with it is because he's got his aunt's married to the governor mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um, but and as much as it is a stephen king thing it is in many ways, a fairly sweet, horrific, but fairly sweet fantasy story, isn't it? It's not, I, it's I, not the Shawshank I, Redemption. It's got no, exactly. The Shawshank Redemption, but it's not the Shawshank Redemption. It's very much a feel-good, feel-bad fun. It's weird to call it feel-good, but it, it has that sort of thing to it. It does. It gives you an appreciation of life coming off of it as well. I mean, if you really invest yourself in it, if you invest yourself in those three hours and lose yourself in it, much like I do yeah. every every time I watch it, it it's, it's this in Shawshank that, like, if, if it's on, I have to watch it to the yeah, end, so I think. Same. Um, and uh, if you really if you really invest yourself in it, you do come away with a, a good appreciation of life, even though there is very harsh elements in it. Um and it's yeah, funny very but, harsh. yeah very harsh um and it's funny because i said that thing about it having you know serious religious overtones and stuff and there's a lot of stuff mentioned about god and stuff it really is a very religious film but it, it doesn't feel preachy in any way um it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's saying to you like go church 
you know I mean yeah. like pray praise God or this will happen to you is none of that it just has those elements in it it has enough that I remember those elements like I say from school I remember those things of sitting in church and hearing those stories and stuff even though it, it's nothing to me now um it's enough that I can not get put off by it you know what i mean i'm not listening to it and going oh these jesus loving freaks or whatever like i'm actually <laughs> sitting there being like yep if you're bad then that's it you're gonna go to hell <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's weirdly subtle in a very unsubtle way the fact yeah. that you know your walking miracles initials are jc <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I, I i get it uh, like, it's like I, it's, it's on the nose but not in a way that you're like oh that's that's really fucking obvious <laughs> yeah i think it's also because they never explicitly say jc at any no, point as well it. but you you well, yeah but you it know. didn't click with me the first couple of times i watched it it's only after a little while you're like oh he's jc <laughs> yeah and he gets given a saint christ saint christopher at yeah. one point as well um but yeah it's uh i saw somebody saying that their th- sort of theory behind it was that um while bill was the devil and that john coffee was jesus christ and that the green mile was uh, life or something like that. And it's, you know, walking through the halls of life with Christ yeah. on one side and the devil on the other. And it's like, yeah, I just don't see it. I don't see it as well, because if that's the case, then the devil actually gets defeated in a really weird way with another, yeah. with another evil. If that's the case, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't think that. And also, I don't think. Stephen King would write something to that effect, and neither would Frank Darabont either. Um, no, I, I get that maybe high on cocaine, Stephen King. <laughs> well, allegedly, <maybe>. allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I, I get that. Um, I get that the, the they would be making some of those sort of comparisons and those parallels, but I think that's a big. It's, that's it's a one big of those stretch. things, isn't it? Like, I think if you. You've only got to look at the shining and how people read into that. I think if you look hard enough, you can see what you want in it, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean it's actually there. Yeah. The, yeah. the the entire film is about decisions, good and bad, and life and death. Like, that, that that's not just as straight and simple as the devil on one side and Jesus on the other. Like, no, 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 no. There may be those parallels and there may be those hidden little bits, but the, the film on a whole is speaking about the the greatness and the 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 uh the sort of scope of life and and death the ultimate on the ultimate end whether it, it comes naturally or or not or whether it's brought upon you or what what your deeds mean in this world and all this kind of stuff like there's all those kind of elements within it so just to boil it down to that i was I kind of looked at it and thought, God, I hope more people don't think that. Yeah. <laughs> I hope more people don't come away from this having that just kind of, I don't know, that's that's a very sort of caption outlook yeah. on this film. Like I say, I don't think it's clean enough that either, because I think the fact that you do feel sorry for characters like Dell, who are, like I say, by his own admittance on his just before his execution, when he apologizes for what he did, he knows yeah. what he did. He knows what he did was evil. Yep. So you've got that repentantness, but he's still a guy who raped and murdered a woman and then killed more people when he set fire to try and cover up the evidence. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he he said himself as well, like uh, John says it as well. He says, you know, um, he's like poor Dell. He's like, uh, but he was the he was the lucky one. Yeah. And he, he's right. 
you know, because his victims weren't lucky. He's like, what happened to him had to happen. Yeah. But, he, but out of everybody that he hurt, he was the lucky one. And it's like, oh, man, that's it's so true. And you forget that as well. Like, you watch that whole horrible execution go down. Well, it's horrible, isn't it? It's the stuff of fucking oh, nightmares. It is. That, that really... Oh, that totally... That kept me awake for a wee while, that one. I watched this... I, I, I really should say, I watched this film at a really young age. Um, well, let's quickly touch on that then. So when did you first see it? Because obviously, 99, well, 2000 for us. Mm-hmm. I remember it coming out in the cinema, but I just it was at a time when I wasn't going to the cinema as regularly as I did shortly afterwards kind of thing. Um, so yeah, how was it for you? Was it a cinema or telly or video? or, or TV, No, I, I, um, in 2000, uh, I hate to put this to you, mate, but in 2000, I would have been 11. <laughs> um, oh, it's, it's, it's the kid from Road to Perdition, Superman all over again. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> what we were speaking about earlier. Um, but, I, but I did, <clears throat> this came on to, if you remember, Sky used to have those stations because I used to have ca- <clears throat> I used to have a, a, a basic cable box in my room. You remember those old black cable boxes with the yeah. red numbers on them? Yeah. Um yeah, I used to have one of them in my bedroom. Um uh, my mum and dad were actually really good at that. And it it wasn't long after it was only about a year well my dad died in ninety nine, so it would have been two thousand that came out of the cinema i want to say it was really quick coming on sky movies actually it wouldn't have been in the shops for very long mm. i think the window started to close on that because it used to be six months from cinema it finishing at the cinema oh no it might have been six months from it starting at the cinema to when it could come out on video mm. and then it used to be two years to come on terrestrial telly if not longer Right. Um, obviously Sky started to change that but I think the windows started to change around 2000 because I think people were uh, with the advent of the internet as well people were starting to just illegally copy shit and I think right. to try and cut down on piracy they did start to close the windows so, yeah I think it might have been about a year after yeah but <clears throat> I uh, <clears throat> I want to say that we got it out from the the video shop but I'm not entirely sure on that but my my solid memory of watching it from start to finish was that we had a little window where all the you remember you, you would have the the pay-per-view channels that would just be on but they, they had nothing on them they had no music or anything it was just a screen saying to pay for such and such call yeah. this number yeah well we had a little window where for some odd reason for the adult channels I know what you're talking about yeah yeah <laughs> And Sky Movies, come on, <laughs> get your head out the gutter. <laughs> um, we had a we had a little window where, for some odd reason, all the Sky Premier um, stations all opened for a week, and it just played the films that were on those on repeat. So literally, the credits would end, and then it would start again. Um, and it did that for about a week. So I honestly, I remember watching Green Mile about eleven times in nice. a in a day. Do you know what I mean like I just sat watching it like. I'm going to watch it again. It's on. You know what I mean? And um, so that would have been, I want to say it was early two, 2001. It was either late 2000 or early 2001, which. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2001. I remember buying it on DVD because mm-hmm. it was the old Snapcase Warner Brothers ones. Right. Because okay. um, I'd wanted to see it at the cinema, but like I say, lack of money, being yeah, young yeah. and <laughs> drinking and that sort of stuff. And more. <laughs> but I used to sit up and watch the Oscar. Well, I still do. 
stupidly uh, used to sit up and watch the Oscars every year so between reading about films in Empire and then seeing what was the Oscar bait that's how I used to sort of build a hit list of films to watch right okay and um, obviously Michael Clark Duncan got nominated that year lost to Michael Caine if I remember rightly um and yeah so you'd see clips of the film from that and I'm pretty sure it was up for a couple of others as well yeah um so yeah and that sort of really got on my radar and I loved Shawshank Redemption I got Shawshank Redemption free with a box of cereal oh nice (laughs) there was a thing on I want to say it was one of the Kellogg's ones but you collected so many things and you could send off for like I think it was that Highlander and there were I a couple of others you could choose from. And I sent off for Shawshank because it had a quote from Barry Norman on the front. Yes, I remember that. I was like, if Barry Norman says it, then I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah, that was roughly around the same time that Shreddies started doing like um, mix CDs. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that. Um, yeah, that was great. Um, back when Cyril was fun. <laughs> yeah, back when Cyril was actually fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we had a whole conversation on the Secret Wars episode about Tazos when it came to crisps as well. But anyway, besides the point. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> it was, um, yeah, it came on to that, that premiere thing. So I watched it solidly at that. I think, like, I was, I've just always been a really big Tom Hanks fan. Yeah. Um, I always knew that he was Woody and stuff as well. Like, I just really liked him. I just always really liked him. I think you'd be hard pushed to find anybody that goes Tom Hanks wanker, you know. Yeah, there's probably some Trump supporters these days, but yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but even then, I can't imagine they're like, I'm not watching that Tom Hanks film. Yeah, no, like, I'm fucking I, off. I know you are. <laughs> no, I mean right-headed individuals. Well, um, <clears throat> but the, you know, it, I've just always been a fan of Tom Hanks. So check it out. And obviously, way too young, probably didn't get a lot of the references. Although watching through it, I was. Sort of watching it going, no, I understood that when I was younger, definitely. Um, like when he has sex with his wife and stuff, like I still got it. Like I still totally understood what was going on, so it was fine. That's um, such a well done scene as well. Oh, that's great. It's amazing. And he's the, he, of him and his wife, he's the better actor in that yeah. situation because he genuinely seems absolutely bollocks. <laughs> um, but I, um, I remember watching it one time and then all of a sudden uh, the station's all kicked back in. And the the walls came up. I was halfway through watching it, um, but the sound continued. So it was just the thing saying, "Please to watch this film, phone such and such, and pay by credit card or whatever." But I could still hear the rest of the film. So literally for the next day and a half until that eventually disappeared, I just listened to the Green Mile, honestly, and it was great. So I I could I could play scenes of the film in my head. Because I'd seen it so many times, and from then on out, it's just it's just forever been a top ten film for me. So whereabouts uh, did that come back in? Because I I know some of them used to get like the first ten minutes, and then it had. Did you get a decent chunk of the film, and then the wall? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'd had it for like a week. It wasn't like you got to Tom Hanks because it it amuses. Amuses might be the wrong word, but your introduction to Tom Hanks in the film is him straining to pee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's proper straining to pee face. How that isn't a gif, I don't know. <laughs> the, be- the, the the best man to depict a urine infection, I yeah. tell you. Um, I did, that is one thing I didn't understand when I was younger. I didn't I didn't get what was going on with him. 
I was like, why is what's wrong? Why why is he peeing in the garden? I didn't. I, just, I was twenty. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't get it. I was like, what? Because um, I've never had a urinary infection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch touch wood. I, yeah. I don't actually remember a time where I've had a urinary infection. Um, that scene, like we talked about earlier, where he's trying to get to the outhouse and yes. he just gives up on the grass. I didn't fully understand it. I was like, I've been there, man. When you're just so desperate for a piss, you just gotta go. Yeah. I, I didn't realise that it's, you know, because he literally feels like he's pissing in razor blades. Yeah, that's how he says it. He's like, oh, pissing razor blades. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. He, his face when they knock on the door and it breaks his concentration from trying to pee. Yep. As, as an so adult nice. with kids now, he's just kind of like, you go to the toilet for a little bit of quiet time and that's guaranteed 100% when the <clears> door <throat> gets knocked on. Yep. <clears throat> but, yeah. I can so relate to that tiny little moment of Tom Hanks' performance. <laughs> <There's tons laughs> that's my life <laughs> yep him uh him getting um smacked by wild bill right in between the the thigh uh, right yeah. between the legs as well it's just like holy shit and i'm just lying down on the floor when all of them are away you know um yeah totally sympathize but <clears throat> it was um yeah that was about the only bit that i never understood but that was when it that was when i i solidly have a memory of of watching it and uh, like I say, any time it's been on ever since. Um, I think my mum actually ended up buying me it on DVD. Uh, but I, there has never been a viewing. Never. There has never, ever, ever been a viewing where I've not cried. I, I This film actually makes me like a full-on ugly cry. And I mean like ridiculous <laughs> ugly crying. I was sitting last night and it just gets earlier and earlier the older I get as well. I mean I was crying at the bit um the first execution uh when he's uh fucking hell, what's his name? Uh Graham Green. Yeah. Yeah, Bearbuck, yeah, uh, Ar- Arlene Bearbuck. Um when he's talking about the time that he could go back to you know, do you think it, it could be that when you die, you go back to the happiest time of your life and relive it again and again? And he talks about, you know, uh, he had a, he had himself a young wife and they they made love every night and all this kind of stuff. I was I was all, I was in tears. I was actually sitting watching it, being like, oh my god, I'm barely into the film. Like <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, so I knew that by the time it came to the end and you get the the big huge thing and John still goes through with the, the execution, that was going to be in bits. The minute it shows Dean Stanton just having the tiniest bit of a bubble, I mean, I'm already gone anyway, but when it shows Dean Stanton having a bubble, I was fully going, <laughs> it was on my own. <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, <laughs> um, I just, every time. You know, yeah, that, see, I, I cry at it, but I don't ugly cry. There's a couple of films that I do ugly cry at. Weirdly, one of them is Vanilla Sky. But <laughs> <laughs> there's just a bit in Vanilla Sky where he says, "I wish you well, David," and I just fucking go. Yeah. It, it was like really awkward because I went to watch that at the cinema with my wife, and I was like, "I cannot cry in front of my." Well, she wasn't like <laughs> my wife then. I was like, "I cannot cry in front of her at the cinema." <laughs> no, yeah, I don't I just... give a fuck. I cry in front of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just can't. This this film every time it just utterly kills me and I think it just doesn't help as well. It's like I've always had a, a soft spot for seeing like big guys crying. Yeah. Um, speaking about funerals again, believe it or not, um, 
I remember I went to a friend of mine, an old friend of mine. He's his dad's funeral. He was he was a guy that just never ever cried as we were growing up, and he's always been a kind of a sort of a dude, you know, as as they called him, a sort of manly man. And I remember I just saw him crying, just just even the tiniest bit, and it just fucking broke me, man. And it's like that anytime I see um, Brutus just having just like the little bit of tears welling up it just kills me i can't, I try so hard to get through it without crying and i just can't do it and i yeah. think it doesn't help as well that um uh, michael clark duncan is just incredible at playing like he's he's scared but he's he's ready you know and it's like oh my god he's just sing, singing i'm in heaven over and over again it's the scene where he watches top hat that's yeah. what gets me yeah. That's up there with one of those, one of you know the iconic, not even iconic, but you know the great character watches a movie mm-hmm. that gets shorty, obviously cinema parody, so mm-hmm. usual, you know, not the film, the usual suspects, the, but the usual suspects for that sort of scene. But that scene where he's watching Top Hat, he's totally in it. Yep. Um, which I suppose harkens a little bit back to Sullivan's travels kind of thing with all the people on the chain gang watching the film then, mm-hmm. but um. But yeah, it's just so beautifully done, just how he's just in the film. And yep. like you know that it's like his his last meal, for want of a better term, kind of thing. Yep, and just the projector shining behind his head like a halo. And Tom Hanks watching him watch the film as well, yep. and, you know, without saying it. You know, you know I can't believe I'm snubbing, going to be snubbing this out from the world kind of thing. Yep. That sounds harsh, but you know what I mean. And I mean, just that whole exchange between him and Tom Hanks with, you know, you know, on my judgment day when I stand before God and ask him, and he asks, why did I kill a miracle? <laughs> it's like, what am yeah. I supposed to say? It was my job. Hmm. And it's, it's just Michael Clark Duncan's response to that of, you know, tell him you did a kindness. Yeah. He's just, he's saying to him that he's, he's had enough. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like he says, he's, you know, every day he feels everything. He's feeling everybody's pain and it's, it's just it's too much it's too much for one guy to handle regardless of the size or anything he's just so lonely and oh man like his delivery of things is incredible for for the fact that he's got to have a a limited vocabulary and he still manages to get across the most eloquent beautiful sentences with like next to nothing to say you know what i mean it's like oh my god he, he he was just an incredible actor. It was just uh, like... It, well, again, I had, remember having a conversation around sort of mid-2000s where we were talking about, like, you know, and somebody said that he sort of, he squandered that. And it's like, yeah, but how often was he going to get, you know, a guy that size, how often was he going to get those sort of parts? Yeah, exactly. You know, nothing against the choices he made afterwards. I really liked him as Kingpin. I really liked him in some of the TV stuff he did. He was probably the best thing in The Finder, mm-hmm. that short-lived TV series. And I was genuinely gutted when he died. And um, I loved him in Armageddon, which obviously I saw before that. And I was like, I still go from Armageddon. This will be fun. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's there's not going to be, other than him continually replaying John Coffey every time. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he's Tom Hanks where he's got the opportunity to. Because mm-hmm. you wouldn't, you know, for example, you wouldn't cast him as a gay man dying of AIDS or 
he's just not built for that sort of role. I'm not saying he couldn't do it. I'm just saying nobody would ever cast him. Yeah, and do you know what? It's weird because, um, you know, cinema's changed and, and films have changed so much. Hollywood's changed so much. There's been loads that's happened. And I just wonder if he'd, if he had lived a little longer, if he had, if maybe then we would have got his full scope of what he could have been doing this whole time. I would have loved to have seen him playing some older roles, you know. Yeah. Something um, like The Wrestler would have been perfect for him. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily specifically exactly the same as The Wrestler kind of thing, but, you know, an agent. He's got the build that he could play an agent fighter or... Or just an agent athlete in general. Yeah. Something, you know. He could have been a... I mean, he could have done an amazing American football yep. concussion story. Yep. Uh, a whole film about... Um, you know, competing for you know he's been competing for the Olympics for years or whatever as a weightlifter or something. You know what I mean? Like anything, he had that physique that it would just. Well, you've only got to look at some. I mean, again, I love Michael Keaton, but you've only got to look at uh, Michael Keaton's career directory. Everybody's yeah. fucking forgot about him when he stopped being Batman. Nobody gave a fuck about Michael Keaton mm-hmm. anymore, apart from like you know people who are Michael Keaton fans. And again, this is no disrespect to Michael Keaton, but and yeah. then Birdman came along and finally people started realizing. Mm-hmm. You sort of need that. Same with Michael Caine. So many actors. Yeah, true. Very true. Al Pacino's probably still waiting for his. It was like, I was great once, then I had that slump. It was like, when do I? It was, but, just, a, it was just such a shame. Like, 54 is not an age at no. all. And like that, I think we had only just started to see what he could do. Yeah. Properly. Um, if he just. If, if we just had a couple more years, we probably could have got the the big ones. You know, we we, we would have had the 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 big, huge Oscar-worthy leading role for him. You know, he he had a he had that huge huge role in the Green Mile, but he wasn't the main guy. He was the second guy. You know, he was yeah. the the supporting actor. Um, it was effectively just him and Tom Hanks' film at the end of the day, really. Um, everybody was incredible in it and deserved yeah. every plaudit that was yeah, thrown if, at them. If you talk about the performances, the two that are going to come up first is Tom Hanks and Michael Clark Duncan. Probably Michael Clark Duncan above Tom Hanks, to be fair. Yeah, people, well, people can at least remember his name. Yeah. Like, you say Tom Hanks in the Green Mile, you go, what was his name? And they're like, Tom Hanks? <laughs> <laughs> um, nobody can remember anybody's name. Um, but you say, like, oh, what was, you know, Michael Clark Duncan and. Uh, the Green Mile, all about John Coffey. But because that was drilled at home as well, you know, my name's John Coffey, like the drink, not only not spelt the same. You know, it's like, fucking hell, man. <sighs> I'm just saying it now, and I can all, yeah. I can already feel myself thinking it's, about it. Like, my heart's, like, racing at the thought of this film. Like, it's amazing. It's when Patricia Clarkson, again, Patricia Clarkson's one of those actresses that yep, amazing in everything I've seen her in, but never really seemed to get... I mean, again, it always sounds like you're shortchanging an actor or an actress, but um, just never really seemed to get that breakthrough performance that would have put her up there with like the Julianne Moores and. No, and yet she's a great supporting act- actor as well. Yeah, like um, she's incredible in Six Feet Under. She's, yeah, she's a... amazing in the Station Agent. I love the Station yep. Agent. She's amazing as the mom in Easy A. Yeah. Um. Well, her and Stanley Tucci are like the oh, incredible. Yeah. From Easy. Incredible. I, I love both those in that film. That's another film I haven't watched for a while, actually. That's a great film. That's an amazing film. Um, and 
she is recently I've been rewatching Parks and Rec and she plays one of uh, Ron Swanson's wives. Yes. Um and she's just oh my god. Like see when she comes into the room, I'm like, Yes. Like you couldn't have picked anybody better. She is so good. Like she totally commands the scene, you know. Um she's an incredible actor. Yeah. Like uh, utterly incredible actor. But then so James Cromwell. Yeah. Uh, holy shit! Like anytime he says anything, I'm just like amazing. But then he's another one that was in Six Feet Under and was great in that as well. Um, oh, it's just unbelievable. He's <laughs> he has one of the best lines in the whole film when he's like uh, when he comes downstairs after Dell's been executed, and he's just like, "What in the blue fuck was that?" <laughs> The delivery is perfect because that is how you would feel. Yeah. You would just be coming down like, holy shit, what was that? Because he isn't even at the first execution. He's only there for Dells. Yeah. Because Percy's been put out front. It needs to be seen, you know. And he's just, oh, he witnesses this horrible thing. And, like, everybody's scrambling for the door. The place is absolutely stinking. And he's just shouting, like, it's all right, folks. Everything's under control. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Again, as a minor performance, the mother yeah. of the woman that Dale killed. Yes. When yes. she's like, I hope you burn in hell. And then when she's like, this this isn't right. Yep. And then when she actually sees him, the look of disgust and horror on her face. Jeez. It's like that could have easily been overplayed. Yep, she's great as well. She's a she's a great actor. Yeah. Um. God, what's her name again? I'm trying to remember what her name is. See, I know all these names till somebody says, "What's that person?" <laughs> yeah, it's went right out of my head as well. But she's in loads of stuff. Um. Is she not in? <clears throat> am I getting her mixed up with somebody else? Was she not in Red State? Possibly. It's been a while since I've seen Red State. I must admit. Mm. I thought she was the woman that asked them for sex in Red State. No, that might be that's somebody else, I think. Is it? Is that somebody else? That's, but she is, is that it? Melissa Leo? Oh, is it? I think. I might be wrong. Like I say, it's the only ones I can ever clearly remember being in Red State are John Goodman and Kevin Pollock and the girl that was in season nine of Scrubs. The, the season of Scrubs we don't talk about, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I can't think. I can't. I can't think of what her name is at all. I'm actually. I'm just going through IMDb to try and find her, but she's not actually coming up. That whole scene, like, I mean, we said it before, but it's horrible. But even the whole, you know, why don't you shut it off? It's like I can't. He's still alive. Yeah, he's actually still moving. Um, like he's on fire. He's because being... you kind of like as we were watching it, you're like, why the fuck aren't you shutting that off? But then you're like, how's that going to be any better? Yeah, exactly. He's just he's just going to burn to death. You know what I mean? Which is even worse. Um, so it's better that the electricity is still going through him and there's a chance that he might die before he actually does succumb to the wounds of the burning oh it's horrible you've just got to be hoping at some point he goes into shock and doesn't feel it anymore but, yep. but then I guess he kind of got what he gave to his victims yeah um, but it was just horrendous it's the way the mask that they put over the head as well actually shapes around his mouth and burns yeah. into the shape of his mouth and stuff it's like oh awful. it's just that horrifying blue flame yep yep exactly i think if it had been regular fire it would have still been horrific but there's something about that blue flame that just makes it even worse it's the initial one that bursts out of his stomach 
Yeah. It's just like, like actually, you end up because of the the movements and the way that it's done, you end up feeling the kind of the almost stomach churning feelings that the people in the room have had. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can almost smell it yourself. You know what I mean? You can see it in their faces and stuff. And it also doesn't help that the entire way through the film, everybody is sweating constantly yeah. because it's a it's a total heat wave. Um. So to then add on top of it a burning person, it's just like that must absolutely stink. <laughs> what in the blue fuck was that? Jesus Christ! There's puke all over the floor up there. I got Van Hade open both doors, but that smell won't go out for five damn years. That's what I'm betting. And that asshole Wharton is singing about it. You can hear him up there. Can he carry a tune? Yeah. <laughs> okay, boys, okay. What in the hell happened? An execution. A successful one. How in the name of Christ can you call that a success? Edouard Delacroix is dead. Isn't he? Percy? Something to say? I didn't know the sponge was supposed to be wet. How many years you spend pissing on the toilet seat before someone told you to put it up? Percy fucked up, Hal. Pure and simple. That's your official position? Don't you think it should be? He's putting in a transfer request to Briar Ridge tomorrow. Moving on to bigger and better things. Isn't that right, Percy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing. I mean, there's nothing in that film makes you feel comfortable, like you say, because of that heat. But yeah, and <clears throat> I, I feel like we're because we're describing all the kind of cliff notes to the whole thing. It, it makes it sound like it's really action packed when it's really not. No, it's very much a character piece. Yeah, like I say, it has to be because <clears throat> for you to feel anything for Dell, um, I think the fact that they don't really dwell on what his crimes are until his execution yeah <clears throat> and by that point you sort of invested in the guy like I say percy's the one that's set up as the boo his character yep and wild like I say wild bill's even kind of fun until you know for a guy who murdered a pregnant woman we know <clears throat> what he did but like the thing with the moon pie <laughs> even the guards are it's kind of funny yeah exactly <laughs> i just love that when he's like hey dude I'll give you a nickel for that moon pie. <laughs> it's like really, like where did he get? That was the that was about the only bit in the whole thing. I was like, where did he get that nickel from? <laughs> My whole thing was like I, the whole film. I just stopped. Totally plausible. Everything's plausible. Yep. And then I thought, where the fuck did he get a nickel from? I was like, none of those guards are walking up and down there and dropping a nickel. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, that place is spotless as well. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, but then they take good care of the place. Because uh, yeah. e- even the bit when it showed you them setting up the execution room, you know, there's like... Uh, <laughs> that was the first the first time I saw it. I was like, how the hell did they get a tractor in that room? And then you <laughs> see it like when they're sweeping it. 
the doors are open and it's actually like a barn and they're yeah. able to drive in and out. I was like, oh, right, okay. But there was a part of me being like, a fucking tractor. It's one thing to have like filing cabinets, but a fucking tractor. <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> but it was good, you know, watching them like sweeping up and setting up and stuff and yeah, showing polishing the the, the chair. The yeah, chair. Yeah. All sparky. Have you watched the making of where um they strap Stephen King into it? Oh no, I haven't. No. <laughs> Um, they strap him into it cause, and he's up for it and then once he's in it he's like I want to get out and he, he then said in the thing afterwards he was like I thought he, I wanted to experience sitting in the chair he's like as soon as they strapped that last strap I was like I want to get out yeah and you know having seen what happened to Dell yeah exactly it's it must feel weirdly claustrophobic yep because yep. it's a bit like you know being buried alive to a certain degree and you just you're completely helpless. It's the whole thing as well that it wasn't just the the straps, it wasn't just the constraints. You were then also buckled in with those other things over the other parts of your arms and legs. So to doubly check that you weren't going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it says something for a film with an electric chair in it that it doesn't have that episode of The Simpsons pop into my head. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So good, but that but there's another character as well. Um, uh, Jack, the guy that operates the the chair. Um, yeah, Bill Bill McKinney. Switches. Yeah. Um, I mean, he barely says anything, and yet you still think of him as part of the team. Yeah. Um, he's in it what three times? <laughs> yeah, he's pretty much there just in that room, isn't he, to throw the switches? Yeah. The look on his face when you can see that it's gone wrong with Dell as well, and he doesn't know what to do. Yep. You sort of look into Tom Hanks for what to do. Because mm-hmm. obviously he can't throw the switches without the instruction. Yep. He does actually say, you want me to kill it? And he's like, no, keep going. Um, oh, fuck it. That it's... calm panic on their faces. Yep. It's, he looks up, he's like, the sponge is dry. It's like, what? But like, oh man, honestly, I kid you not, David Morse is, is incredible in that film. For yeah. It's like subtle little looks and stuff. But... The best bit of the whole film is when he punches Percy after that beat of yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know the sponge was supposed to be wet. Smack! Like, so good! <laughs> it's just it's just brilliant because everybody's feeling it. Of like, what is he going to say at this moment? And the minute he says it, you're like, him. Just fucking him. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so well done. It's so well written. But it's incredibly well directed and edited to get those moments. Like those moments are extremely um, satisfying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. We've all sort of known a variation on a Percy, haven't we? Oh yeah. God yeah. If you've ever worked in any job, there's at least one fucker there that's pretty much untouchable. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, you never actually find out why or why they're deserving of it. <laughs> there's always that fucker who just gets away with shit. Yep. <laughs> so if yep. you tried it, you'd instantly be fucking grabbed up on. Mm-hmm. But it's just I know um at the time Stephen King said it was the most faithful faithful adaption of one of his things. Obviously there's been more adaptions since, so I don't know whether that still stands, but I imagine it does. Oh, I must awesome. admit I'm not a massive Stephen King fan. I find some of his books incredibly frustrating to read. 
I'm not a fan at all. Uh, I tried to read uh, Pet Cemetery, The Stand, The Dome, and made it about, I would say, 200, 300 pages in each before I went, fucking hell, this guy goes on. <laughs> I, he just, the Dead Zone was the one I tried to read, and it's like, we've pretty much done a whole chapter on the fucking wood on this guy's desk or whatever it was. Yeah, it's just too much. His short stories are great. It's got some really great short stories because he's just banging to the point, and his on writing book's interesting to read. Yeah. Um, I don't hold it in the regard that some people do, but there's some interesting stuff in it. Um, but yeah, I like him. I find him a fascinating interview. I mean, mm. again, my thing with stuff happening to kids makes him a difficult person. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you think the stuff in the It movie's bad, shit in the oh, worse. Awful. <laughs> and it's even worse when you're reading it. <laughs> yep, yep. It's... The way that they get out of a certain situation as well is like, mate, what was going through your head when you wrote this? Cocaine. Like, oh yeah, clearly. <laughs> Only that. Allegedly. Was... Allegedly. Yeah, but yeah, but the, you, you'd have to have some sort of substance to think. Yeah. Yep, that's a good idea. <sighs> oh, you know, it's like my god. I can't wait for him to put this scene in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so glad that they didn't in any of them, honestly. Like, see, when I found out that was in that book and then read it, I was like, holy shit, like, what is wrong with you? Um, but it's, it's just, just the deaths of some of the kids. In the yeah. Th- like, not even the ones at the hands of Pennywise, the kid that's beaten to death with a fucking claw hammer. I, I, I'm not as... I mean, you've got children, so it's it's different. So I'm I'm not as, as bad Even before that. I had kids, it always bothered me. Oh, I don't really? Know, I just... I think there's something about the innocence of it. Right. Well, I get that, you know, it's, it's other people would be like, fuck them. Yeah, but <laughs> Why is that again, any different to that poor woman getting murdered or? Yeah, then again, like I'm saying that, but I'm a person that can't really watch stuff about animals being needlessly killed either. So, same. you know, it's yeah. exactly the same way. Or even the hint that animals are being killed. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, I just can't do it at all. There's a. Uh... Oh, yeah, God, this. With that, that Mr. Jangles. Yeah. Getting fucking stood on killed me. Um, it was awful, and also Gary Sinise talking about blowing the dog's brains out. It was like yeah. ah, ah. But then it's another. That's another trait of Stephen King that I don't like. He just delves into stuff like that. Like ah, this will make people uncomfortable. And I guess it's his job at the end of the day, and it it does what it's meant to do. But sometimes it's just needless. So, yeah, it's part of my problem with modern horror films is that a lot of modern horror films, like the sinister f- films, and insidious and all that is that because it centers so much around kids because kids is the easiest shock thing for people like i say i get that there are some people that it doesn't bother at all and that's that's fine more power to them but it's done for the more shocking thing yeah sinister's got a horrible horrible opening that doesn't live up to the rest of the film but is there's an amazing bit in the trailer for sinister that nearly made me watch it but fortunately a guy that i worked with at hmv at the time was like trust me you don't want to watch it because he knew my thing. Oh. Like, um, just because he knows that I don't like stuff involving kids. But there's a bit in the trailer where he's watching the thing and then the sinister thing turns to look at Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's the kind of creepy shit that I like in films. Yeah. It's like, that's what I love about, like, John Carpenter's Halloween and that, is it's not the stabby, stabby stuff. It's the creepy Michael Myers standing there and disappearing shit. Yeah, I mean... Or he's in the background, then he disappears. I love all that stuff, but just stuff involving kids... Yeah, Sinister just 
Sinister has a like the 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 opening scene. It's you know played to silence and it's just the sound of a whirring uh, projector. Um, but what happens? It it sets a tone that it never really lives up yeah. to in the rest of the film. And then I also think that it's one of those films that if you watch that and then decided you didn't want to watch the rest of the film, then fair play to you. You're a better human being because. <laughs> Because that opening is really tough. I actually watched that that first bit and went, I don't know if I want to watch this. Um, and I did watch it and went like, oh, okay, it's not the same as the rest of the film. But you would totally be forgiven if you saw that starting bit and went, no, turn it off. Yeah. Because it's it's awful. Have you watched it? Or did you have you ever seen any of it at all? I've seen a little bit of it on telly, like from the middle. I just happened to be channel hopping. It was on, and I'll like, I'll see if this is as bad as. It's that weird thing of like knowing there's going to be something that you won't like, but also at the same time feeling like if I see it, it won't be as bad as I've probably made it out to be in my head. It's why I watched, in the end, why I watched um, it, and I really like that. Right. Okay. Seventeen Stephen King's it. Okay. Not so much the the Georgie scene. I tend to skip through. I must admit. Mm. Because that kid that plays Georgie is so fucking good. <laughs> and there's something about him that reminds me of my youngest son. Right, Which okay. makes it even harder to yeah, watch. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> that is hard. So I tend to just skip through that a bit. And, um, that. But yeah. I love the whole ambling feel of the rest of that. Right, okay. Um, well, that, King, that first, that, it, it chapter two. I watched it because I'd watched the first one, but <laughs> I, I still need I still need to watch them. I, I I used to love the Tim Curry one. I've not watched it for years. I love but... the Tim Curry one. The Tim Curry one's great. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, I watched yeah, it yeah. recently because again I caught it. I was part way into the first part on one of the Ass End of Nowhere Sky channels was showing mm. it. I, I love that sort of. It's very nineties, but I love that shit. Yeah, it's, it's very that's nice. what I grew up with, so I'm quite happily go back to that stuff. It's like, oh, it's John Boy from the Walton. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, hey, um, there's John Ritter. <laughs> but the uh, the start of Sinister is like, it's one of the home movies that he finds, but it just plays it in its entirety. And it's oh, it's just a whole family being hung. Um, uh, yeah, I've heard about the different ones and the lawnmower and the drowning in the pool or whatever it is. And... Yeah, well, the, the 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 whole family being hung, it's like they've got an automatic machine that's just sawing the 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 kind of weight off or the limb off of the tree or whatever, and then when that falls, the whole family gets hung by the the limb kind of thing, and they're all bagged, just standing there with the the nooses around their neck, like just ah. And, yeah. But because it's done to silence and just the whirring of the thing going, and nothing happens after it, just that. So it effectively is like you're watching a snuff film at the start, and it's just like, mm, uh, I don't know. And that's where like I could totally get if people just went, no, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. See, like I say, the guy at work told me not to watch it, and he told me not to watch Hannibal Rising. Not because it's shit, but because there was a bit in it he knew I wouldn't like. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, but it's a Hannibal film. So I was like, it came up on telly and I watched it. And it's the bit where they take Hannibal's sister out and you don't actually see anything. But you just hear Risa Fanon shout, for Christ's sake, hold her head still. Ugh. And I was like, I couldn't watch the rest of the film after that. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> and then I went to work. I was like, I tried to watch Hannibal Rising. I was like, I fucking told you, didn't I? I was like, yeah, you were right. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's if, not good. So anytime you told me not to watch a film after that, I was like, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yep. 
It's great for Clint Eastwood, the changeling. I bought that cheap on Blu-ray, and he was like, don't fucking watch it. <laughs> are they, I was like, what? It's a Clint Eastwood film. How bad can it be? I was like, did they, they find the kid? The Jolie one? Yeah. Yeah, that film's rough. Yeah, I know. I've never watched it. <sighs> yeah, no, don't. It's in a cupboard. I need to take it to a charity shop, but I don't want to bring that on other people. Because I yeah. love Clint Eastwood movies. I didn't even know that was an Eastwood film, to be honest. Yeah, I know he's not in it, and it's got um, Jeffrey Donovan in it, who I love Burn Notice. Yeah. So I was like, I'll watch this as well, because he's in it. I like Angelina Jolie. I like Clint Eastwood. I, don't I like, like John Malkovich. What's not to like? <laughs> I don't like Jolie, but uh, it was it was surprisingly really good. It was a really good performance of her, but yeah, it's, not, it's one of those films that are up on my list of, like, watched it once, we'll never revisit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just can't at all. Like it's I, I caught a little bit of it where they trick a kid to get into the van, and I was like, no, even that, just the manipulation of that child. Yeah. We've gone well off the Green Mile. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say bringing it... I was actually going to say bringing it back to the Green Mile. Like, I was talking about the start and, you know, b- being put off. Uh, the start of the Green Mile is actually pretty um, sinister. Um, yeah. Just, just, just the first sort of 20 seconds or whatever with that... Because you hear Wild Bill whispering that line. Yeah. Uh, saying, like, you love your sister. And it's like, ugh! Um, so that that little bit right at the very start, I I could honestly forgive people of hearing that and being like, not for me. Like you know, say, it, it says something about that film that that scene when he is talking to the two sisters, you know, you know, you make a sound, I'll kill her first. Yeah. If you make a sound, I'll kill her first, kind of thing. I just fucking that stayed with me for ages after. And that's the one thing about that film that stays with me in the bad way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. as it should. If you're sitting there being like, that bit was fucking great, wasn't it? <laughs> <That> was <laughs> For tremendous. the wrong reasons of it being... <laughs> I really felt good after that. Loved it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's... For a film that has... but For a film that has a lot of really, really rough bits in it, and it is a film ostensibly about convicted killers um, and, exec- and executions, um, it's a really heartwarming film. And it's an 18... Yeah. Which I thought, does it have to be? Is, is, is just, just an 18 because of... It's got to be the Dell scene, hasn't it? Because the stuff with the girls isn't graphic. Mm. It's sort of hinted at enough, but it's not... I don't know. I know I... you've got the bloody heads. Yeah, and the body. Which is, is a bit much, but it's not... In lesser hands... You know, to Frank Darabont's credit, yeah. in lesser hands, that could have been horribly fucking. Yeah, you don't, you don't see the, you don't see their faces. You don't really see the whole of them at all. You just see like hair, hair in hands sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but maybe even just the implication is too frightening. Yeah, I, I think it's that. It's, I imagine it's possibly going to be the use of the N word, even though it's within context of true. the thing that's Very possibly true. added to it. And it's got to be Dell's execution. Mm-hmm. That's nope. the stuff of fucking nightmares. Sorry, that was Siri. Oh, Siri's just started speaking to me for some reason. <laughs> and uh, she just scared the shit out of me. Because <laughs> uh, I was, was talking about dead people and she just suddenly perks up like, mm-hmm. Like, ah. <laughs> Your execution is scheduled. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, that's never happened before. Fucking hell. Sorry about that, mate. <laughs> just mildly shit my pants. <laughs> oh. But, but yeah, 
like I said, I came into it having loved the Shawshank Redemption and just liking Tom Hanks, and I kind of thought it was going to be more of the same. And it, it kind of is, but it also isn't. It's very saccharine in places, in a good mm-hmm. way. Again, mm-hmm. it could have easily slipped into one of those funded by a religious organisation. Yeah. Kind of yeah. movies that you sometimes find Dean Cain pop up in, or yeah, there, there, there is, there is quite a bit of religion, a bit more than I thought there was actually. Um, I was surprised. But those two things sort of go hand in hand, don't they? Especially in America. Yes. Sort of execution and religion. I think, it, I think, it, I think it also helps as well that it's of a time, like it's yeah. a period, it's a period piece as well. So it's, it's easier to pass off the religious aspect of like. Yeah, but these people would be like this because they've not, they've not got anything else. You know what I mean? It's God-fearing people, isn't it? It's, yeah. And it's, it's in the South where it's even more... Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine these people would be going to theatre. They're going to Sunday church. Yeah. You know what I mean? that That's their theatre. They're going to go see the, the nativity play over Shakespeare, you know. Well, that's um, it. That sort of... It is a performance, isn't it? Yeah. The way religion's done, not just mm-hmm. in the South, in America in general, but... It is a theatre performance. It's rehearsed. It's but the South are renowned for their sort of more performative aspects yeah. of of church as well. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot more God fearing than I thought. But it also, like you say, it just it plays into the aspect. And like we were discussing earlier, but it just plays better into the aspect of the fact that it's a film about life and death. Yeah. Um, and. I, th- I like to think that regardless of being an atheist or not, that it's done in a certain way that you, you don't look at it and go, oh, what a lot of tosh. Like, there is yeah. still a little bit of you being like, yes, Tom Hanks, you you will be judged fairly in front of the hands of God, even though I don't believe in that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's sort of weirdly done in that. You're like, maybe religion isn't such a bad thing. And yeah, then you sort of like, you know. It's like I say, though, I think it's... Look at leading religious figures and you just kind of, yeah, no, it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. I think, <laughs> the, the hypocrisy is fucking rife. <laughs> I, th- I think it's got enough that it it, it can play... But if, if for anybody that kind of grew up within the time of when it was made or just before it, you know, 20, 30 years before it or whatever, there's still enough within schools that you still have that little bit in you Yeah. Uh, to remember that. And then that sort of that's maybe just that same amount in the green mile um to, to to sort of claw in that which just gives it an extra sort of personal touch really yeah uh, when you think about it because religion was getting taught in schools quite vastly like that i mean i think i was within the generation that we were they were just starting to teach other religions just because we barely got anything, you know. We would we would get told told about Diwali, and that was about it. You know, occasionally we would get told about. Oh, and by the way, there's Jewish people, and that was about there's it. Funny you know? other religions too. Yeah, the Church of England Harvest Festival, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Stick exactly. this shit in an orange. Exactly. Full stop. Right there. For some is, reason we'll grow watercress every. Year. Yeah, we would we would get told uh, in our in our school like there is something called. Uh, the Festival of Lights. Now let's go across to the church across the road and pray for three hours. It's like, <laughs> uh, right, okay. Um, it, it, it was the primary school teacher equivalent of, but enough of that bollocks. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, Not to say that is bollocks, but that's very much how it came across. How religion was taught, or other religions were taught to us as children. I remember I I got into trouble from a teacher at school because I had said to one of my friends, uh, I, I was trying to get them to, like, we were doing different I don't know, like assessments or something in in uh, in a room, and you had to go into the classroom and call on the next person to come across. And I, I called on the next person, and they were taking ages to get out of their seat. And I was like, "Oh, for God's sake, come on, eh?" <laughs> and this um, this teacher that I had was like severely religious, and she came across and went, "I can't believe that language that's come out of your mouth." Now, bear in mind, I've said, "For God's sake." You know, I've not said fucking hell, you can't come here. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you know, for God's sake. Um, I can't believe the language is coming here. Would you say this in your own house? And to this day, I regret not saying, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> because I just didn't think about it, which is a nightmare. And I remember I mentioned it to my mum and she was like, oh, you should have just said yeah. You should have doubled down and be like, Jesus Christ, yeah. Yeah, she just went, for God's sake, you fly off the handle punch. <laughs> Christ almighty. You know, um, I just thought, like, this is mental. I remember just, I just sort of meekly. You should just be like, forgive me. Yeah, no, oh, forgive me. Um, I remember I just meekly said to her, like, no, and then she just like said something, and that was that was the end of it or whatever. Yeah, it's, but you probably I, played it right to be fair. <laughs> yeah, but like I just remember going back and saying it to my mum, and she was just like, "What the f-? like?" She never said what the fuck because my mum didn't swear, but she was like, "What the? What is that all about?" You know what I mean? She was sort of looking, going, "No, you didn't say anything wrong. Just what a lot of nonsense." Yeah, uh, but it was just I just remember it, just thinking of that, like. Oh, for God's sake, the language, you know, and that's the kind of thing that was being taught at school at that point. So for then, for for when this came out, I think most people would relate in some way to that kind of talk uh, and would just go like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know I mean, they would think of like their grannies or granddads or their mums or dads that were in that way or teachers or whatever. You know, and they would just think of the people that were just going on about when I face God's judgment and all this kind of yeah. stuff. That, that, which sometimes to them, they didn't even seem like they really even thought about it. I mean, Tom Hanks goes on about that actually in real life, about how he goes to church, but he just he likes to go and just ponder about things. He, he doesn't go there with the full intention of like, Hail Mary, praise, praise to Jesus or whatever. He does believe in it, but he's he's also a, a free-thinking um, uh, very um, intelligent man. You know, he, yeah. he he thinks about these things. He, he gives everybody their own um, religions and, and credences in life. He doesn't. He he just goes there for peace and and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I understand that. I mean, I've always I didn't never had an issue with faith. Mm. Um, or the idea of a god. I mean, yeah. at times I. Even though I don't particularly believe, it's quite comfortable sometimes, comforting sometimes to think there's something like that. So I've got no problem. My problem is religion and the dogma that comes with religion. Yes. In any religion. Very much you know, so. If you do this, you will go to hell. Yes. If you do this, you can. And he's kind of like, if you look back at it, it's like a horrible jumper. Um, I'm going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially what that's telling me. Um, I think, you know. If people find comfort in it or if it leads people to lead a good life, again, it's the hypocrisy of it all a lot of the time that really mm-hmm. a religion that bothers me. 
There's a, there's um, a small part of me that... Particularly in America. I don't really yes. follow as much. Yeah, yeah. You see no, it more player in news in America. You know, they're very much Republican. And then you kind of look at some of the things they're supporting. All the well, people they're supporting. Does their money not still saying God we trust? Yeah, I think so. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no separation between church and state in that in that country. No. Um, but well, there isn't in a lot of countries to be. No. Um, but it's uh, you know, it's it, I, I still occasionally to this day find myself thinking thinking like I don't believe in that stuff, but there is a small part of me that just thinks, ah, I kind of hope I'm wrong. <laughs> there's a small part of me that goes like i just hope there's something else you know what i mean yeah that, i mean there's still a weird part of me that sometimes it feels like i should go to church at christmas got no interest in it but just sort of to get that traditional christmasy feeling but at the same time yeah like, it'll just bore the tits off me <laughs> it's not even a, it's not even like a religious thing it's just there's a small part of me that just goes like oh i kind of wish there is something else after this yeah. i know in in my heart of hearts i know there isn't and it's just fade to black fucking let's cut out we're done but yeah, just, see, just I've a, sort of recently liked the idea that you just do it all again. It's just you're in an infinite loop of just doing it oh, all again. That would be great. And that's what I like to think deja vu is sometimes. That would be great because it works for people that are in a place of privilege. It well, works for people. I'm, for... I'm just at that age where everything that happened in the past is rose tinted. Yeah. Yeah. So and, the and... idea of reliving the 90s. <laughs> It's it's a great it's an amazing thought and it's it's something that very much we we share in that that aspect in that respect uh, Stuart because it's something I've thought about before as well of like it would be great just to you just start all over again you just do it all over again but none of the memories you're just constantly doing it all over again and then I just so occasionally something seems familiar and that's where it bleeds through a little bit but yeah but then all of a sudden you just think about like God if that's the case think of the people that are just murderers. Or yeah. people people that have lived a really shitty existence and hooked on drugs and everything and then die. It's like, God, if they're doing that all over again, that's a nightmare. And it's like, it's only fun to think about that if you're in a place where you've had a good life and you've been raised well yeah, and you've that's got a good family and stuff. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, maybe I wouldn't want to yeah, do this all again. It's, it's not one to overthink. Yeah, it's, it's like reincarnation. <laughs> when people talk about reincarnation, oh, yes, I'd love to be reincarnated. Yeah, but you could also be reincarnated as a fucking pebble that gets launched. Yeah. You know I mean, like, think about that. <laughs> I think it's just the idea of nothingness, isn't it? But Yeah. But like I say, but if people find comfort in it, then I've got no. Because, you know, you can very much slip into the Woody Allen, what's the point of doing anything? Yeah, exactly. Kind but of that's, film character. But that's where this film uh, comes back to it as well. Yeah. This film sort of gives you that that sense of hope and stuff as well, that there may be something, even though they don't show anything afterwards, but they just show that there is there is a miracle living on this earth, so there must be something else, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's that hope and it's that thing of redemption, isn't it? Because again, on a political thing, this could have very easily been a very pro or very anti-death penalty film. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it strides neither. Mm-hmm. It neither says this is a bad thing nor this is a good thing. It is left for you to obviously you have a character who is unjustly executed because mm-hmm. he didn't actually commit the crime. But at no point does it tell you this is wrong. Yep. You have Tom Hanks's frustration at not wanting to actually go through with it. Yep. But knowing that he has to. Yep. Knowing that there's absolutely no legal way in which he could get him off either because yeah. he could he couldn't go to the courts and be like, he didn't do it. I saw it in a dream. You know, after he touched my hand, <laughs> like there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing. Um, 
it's just that it's uh it's heartbreaking do you think that he sort of curses tom hanks's character a little bit because obviously mm. tom hanks lives he accidentally passes it to um mr jangles doesn't he yeah when he's holding him while Dell's being executed, he accidentally passes some of his gift, but he deliberately passes some of his gift to Tom Hanks to show him why he had Percy kill Wild Bill. Yeah. Because I, um, I could never understand why the warden's wife also didn't live, but he didn't pass any gift. He just took her illness from her. Because... And it took me a couple of viewings to sort of realise that, ah, oh, that's it's if he accidentally passes some of the gift. Yes, because he... He does it through Mr. Jingles through his hand, and yeah. he, he is through his feeling and stuff. Um, so he's because he says he, um, Mr. Jingles felt Dell's thing as well. So it's it's when he's actually passing uh, thoughts or memories or feelings to something yeah. that they end up getting uh, a, bit, a bit of his gift. Whereas if he's just taking an ailment from you, that's all he's doing. He's doing there's nothing else to it, you know. Um, it's like because technically you could say that about Percy as well because he grabs hold of him and puts that all in Percy, yeah. but he's not actually doing anything. He's just passing something through. He's he's not actually giving he's not giving him a thought or a memory or anything. You know, he's actually if anything he's acting as like he's using Percy as like a conduit. Yeah. Um, which that's weird in itself as well. Because <laughs> then because then that does that mean that John Coffey has technically killed or Percy has? Yeah, but, uh, I did think I, of it. I that. suppose <clears throat> it's a just killing. But I did but also think I did yeah. also think is it maybe just that he took by giving him that thing into Percy did he maybe just take any of Percy's inhibitions away and Percy just acted and did what he wanted. I mean, yeah. To be fair, he gave Percy the ability to do the thing he wanted because by his own admission, Percy was just there because he wanted to see somebody die. So the natural progression is that. He kills somebody. He'd want to kill. He'd want to take a life. That was his kind of thing. Is that he? He just kept stepping up the the stakes. He he started off. He saw it, and then he wanted to be right out there. And then he tortured somebody, and then he ended up killing someone. He's basically um, a serial killer that's found a way to just you know legally murder people. Yep. Yeah. That was it. That was essentially or what legally it is. torture people. He was definitely one of those that if he wasn't in the position that he was in, he would have been on death row. Yeah. Um it's just unbelievable. But yeah, he, he just had the privilege to be able to get away with it and do it legally. But the fact that we are talking about it like this and not saying but those actors that did blah blah were actually just talking about the characters and yeah. getting lost in it shows a testament of how good this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, I keep coming back to it. I keep just saying it's incredible, it's incredible, it's incredible. But it is, and uh, I'm also very, very biased because it's one of my top ten films of all time, and it's fucking high up there, man. Yeah, like I say, it's this... been a while since I'd watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen catch bits of it on telly, and I tend to leave it on, fall asleep, because it always seems to be on at like stupid o'clock on. <laughs> yeah on sky so i tend to put it on and just sort of drift off don't always successfully drift off because obviously it's not a film you fall asleep during no (laughs) it's just it's one of those films i've seen it enough that i can put it on and just sort of close my eyes and listen to it yeah Um, again as horrific as that sounds but no if if, if you get a long enough stretch of nothing horrible happening you can (laughs) comfortably drift away to that sweet luciana accent yeah that's true um but yeah it's um 
it's the ending very much was like this kind of inception sort of ripped this ending off a little bit because it ends with mr jangle breathing and he sort of his breathing slows yeah but you don't actually see him stop breathing and it's a bit like the spinning top at the end of inception you're like mm-hmm. did it wobble did it wobble did it wobble because <laughs> you know that once mr jangles dies um tom hanks's character he's not going to die immediately as well but it's sort of you know that this jangle's life has ended so you know that it is coming for tom hanks yeah but as it sort of is he's just kind of like you don't know when he's going to die no he He says he doesn't know when he's going to die he says he he tells his friend he's going to outlive her and then you see her funeral him there that that was shocking the first time i ever saw it because i I just thought like wow we're really doing this we're just bumping everybody off um can you imagine outliving your wife your son your grandchildren potentially well i mean eventually i imagine he does outlive his grandchildren because he has he says that thing about i had an adult son in 1935 is it yeah yeah it was the depression era yeah and he says to her the mass doesn't add up does it yep he was 44 when john rode the lightning uh which is like oof (laughs) <laughs> outlived everybody he worked with as well i know that in the book it tells you sort of what happened to some of them afterwards so like yeah. within yeah. the book dean stanton died a couple of years later when he transferred to a different wing of the prison ah right okay um then you know it tells you when brutus dies and all that right. what's um when his wife dies and all she dies in a car accident i think in the book right he um he says uh Oh, I've seen some tremendous things. Another century come to pass. Now, yeah. was that just because it was so close to the millennium? Uh, if so, it just seems a weird thing to put in for a film that was technically out in the States in 99. And then him to say another century come to pass. Does, so does that mean that the film's set a couple of years ahead? That it's in like 2001? Or was it that he saw another century come to pass back in the 1900s? Yeah, if he was 44 when... Yeah, he would have seen two centuries come to pass. Well, I suppose he would have been young. If he was 44 and 35, he would have been 10, 11. Yeah, so he technically saw one. Yeah. And then he, but, but it was it was because it was, because obviously it came here in 2000. So to us, it made sense. Yeah. Like that line sounds like, yeah, he saw the millennium come in. And it was so close as well that that was all still in the zeitgeist and it was still in the, in most things that you watch, people would mention things about 2000, you know, things were called something, something 2k or whatever. Um, so I just took it as that. I just took it as like, Oh, he's coming to see another century come past, but it was in the States in 99. So does that mean that the film was actually just written to be in 2000 so that when it came out everywhere else in the world, it made sense. Yeah, they probably, I suppose, yeah, you probably look at it and think we're coming out in 99, so, and it was December 99, so that Is line's it, only going to be weird for about three weeks, yeah. and then post-2000, it's going to play. Because he did say another... They probably thought ago. most people would probably watch it at home as well. Yeah, I do. They obviously the... wanted the big cinema release, and yeah. they got they got the, uh, you know, box office returns kind of thing. It was probably bigger than they thought. I at do the same time, him. they're probably thinking of the longevity of it on home release. Home, uh, home release, yeah. I, I do love, though, that that's the only thing he managed to list. He <laughs> said, oh, I've seen some wonderful things. Another century come to pass. And then that's it. Like, he, no, he doesn't say something else. He doesn't say something like, I've seen 
peace in the Middle East or something like that. You know, he says, says nothing. He says, you know, I've, I've seen another century come to pass. But then I've watched everybody else die. And it's I was like, going to say that kind of then trumps it, doesn't it? It's like, you know, my wife was killed in a car accident on the way to our grandson's graduation. And... It's like, holy shit. Um, but yeah, just... I do like that they don't do that at the end of the film where he tells you how everybody else died. I don't think it, like... I don't think it would matter. Like he, if you, if I don't you learned, you need it. I think you know that he. You don't need to know how. No, I think like if you learn all of the that. book is that his wife dies fairly young by the standard of age. Oh, that, um, that's but, a that's a kick in the teeth. I really thought she maybe just died of old age in her bed. <laughs> well, I mean that's the book. So yeah, yeah. You don't have to take that. Isn't like I say, if it's never stated in the film, then it's fan fiction, for want of a better thing. Yeah, you saw another century come past. All the great things that he saw in his life. <laughs> it's fine. He doesn't need anything else. <laughs> like I got to see four Star Wars films. <laughs> <laughs> I lived long enough. Yay. <laughs> I got to watch Jerry Springer. Oh, God, yeah. That was one thing that did actually date. That does date it, then. Yeah, right at the very start and watching Jerry Springer, I was like, ooh, oh my god. That'd be like now if you were watching something from, like, the mid-2010s and they were watching Jeremy Kyle. Yeah. You'd be like, ah, that's dated. Um, well, I mean, the problem you get now, I've said it before, is that as soon as somebody whips out a flip phone or a yes. Motorola, you're like, yeah, that's instantly taking me out of this. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, it's funny because you watch Shaun of the Dead. And uh, I never, ever thought that film would really date because there's not a lot of stuff in it. But he's on, like, a Nokia phone. Yeah. And they're watching Trisha at one point. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, that really does date everything. Um, It's just odd. Like, there's just loads of, loads of little films that are classed as, like, these great films or, like, these, you know, huge films in the pop culture or whatever. And then you actually sit there and watch them again and go, ah... <laughs> like it's really dated if that whole film if the whole of the green mile had been set in the depression era nothing but the yeah. fact that there is that little bookend you're like oh okay but it's it's fine now that we've we've went you know 20 odd years into the future um it's fine looking back on it in that sense yeah um it, you know it just kind of blends in with the rest of the film but at the time you would you know a couple of years later You'd be like, oh, that was only a couple of years ago. Why is he? Why is he watching Jerry Springer? You know what I mean? <laughs> I suppose it's difficult to show that it's present day without specifically putting up on the screen. You know, yeah. Two thousand and two or whatever. Yeah, it's very true. So, and I imagine America, there's probably still a channel still showing Jerry Springer. So. Oh, somewhere there has to be. There has to be somewhere. Um, the, the, funnily enough, the rest of the channels. Uh, that he flips through there's not anything that really dates it I mean it's home shopping it's some old films and then Top Hat yeah um, which is like oh right okay uh, but it's only the Jerry Springer one which that old boy amazing give him the Oscar you know yeah. a bunch of trailer trash most of them <laughs> most of them just fucking <laughs> it's like that's fucking brilliant Um <laughs> But also the old woman that's in the front. Have you seen her that turns around and looks at him when he's crying? And yeah. Top hat and her face. I was like, holy shit, what's up with her? 
She like proper turns around, like looking as if somebody's being stabbed. It's like, because eh. <laughs> she's of the generation where real men don't cry. <laughs> she's of the generation where her brain is gone <laughs> entirely. She just looks like she's looking at him, like eh, someone's making a noise. <laughs> it's like, holy shit! Um, no small parts. <laughs> Completely, yeah. Again, on that, how good is the guy that plays the orderly that serves him his meal? Oh, Tiny part, but he's great. He's so good. Just when I'd watch like, a film about him. Yeah, he he's like fucking Miss Marple. <laughs> he's going like you know because you go on those uh, go outside on those walks. <laughs> Where do you go? <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> all right, okay, all right, Columbo, calm down. <laughs> Again, I love the. Uh, restraint in the storytelling there is it tells you just enough to what you need to know to intrigue you yep without sort of doing that really clunky every day you go for a walk <laughs> yeah exactly kind of thing but the, the only bit in that at the very start is when he looks into the the window i thought i didn't really need that yeah i didn't think that's a bit that's a bit odd i don't know why he was peering over like, we got that he was going up to a hut. They could have just had him walking to the hut, and that would have been it. They didn't have to have him, like, looking through the window. I'm like, why would he be looking through the window? He would just go into the hut. Doesn't make any make sense. sure nobody's in there. Maybe, but... Because I was kind of thinking, if there's kids living around there and they found that hut, they'd be all over that shit. Mm, that's true, right enough. I never thought of that. Because <laughs> a bit like the nickel with Wild Bill, that was the one thing with me. I was like, has nobody else found this hut? <laughs> yeah. It's like, why isn't there a grizzly fucking wilderness man living in it? <laughs> it's America for fuck's sake. If anything's empty, somebody will nick it. <laughs> there was there was something in me though that was thinking as well. It's America. Like there is loads of places that just get forgotten entirely, yeah. um, and that people people can literally just disappear in America. We were talking about that the other day. Um, we were speaking about how like. In Britain, if 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 some if there was like a, a serial killer going about, the most you're gonna get out of it is like a year. Yeah. Uh, the most, the very most, you're gonna get like a year out of it. Um, in the states, forever. Somebody could kill somebody and then they just fucking disappear. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's just it's just the the size of it. You know what I mean, they just do it and then run. <laughs> and it's like, oh, and he's gone. You know, the, the Unabomber was gone for years. You've only got to look at how long certain professional killers in America get away with it for. Exactly. If you don't have a pattern and you just keep moving. Yeah. That's not to advertise that any serial killer should go to Apache. No, exactly. <laughs> Better they go there than stay here, I suppose. But yeah, our <laughs> for my bit, personal safety. That's true. Our little bit here, though, isn't isn't as big an advertisement as the Lovely Bones. Fuck me. <laughs> That entire book slash film is just an advertisement of how you get off with murder. That's a film I've never seen all the way through. Don't watch it. No, I started watching it because it was Peter Jackson, but then I was just kind of like, life's too short. I, I love it, but you would hate it. Yeah. Just purely because of the kids thing. Yeah. There isn't, isn't actually near as bad as I thought it would be at all. Um, I because the, the way I was here and the way I'd read it because I've read the book and um, oh that's horrendous. Um, <laughs> but the film's not like that. Uh, it does a really good job, but just the implication of stuff and 
little bits along the way that you find out it's just like mm, yeah no nah. yeah, that's Stanley Tucci as well isn't it yeah oh god he's fucking great it took Stanley me a long Tucci. he's amazing in everything it took me a long time to see him without seeing an evil person as well see I first saw him in Murder One I don't know if you ever remember that it was like the 24 of no. the 90s basically right, okay. one court case ran throughout the entire 22 episodes right it's such a good fucking series nice it's one of the ones I used to watch my parents my dad loved it I th- I, th- I feel like I had seen him in something else before. Um, oh, I can't remember. I feel like I'd seen him in something else before, and then I, I just, it was like all of a sudden I saw him in The Lovely, but you know with some people, like you see them in one thing and all of a sudden you're like, oh, these are, guys are great, and then it turns out you've seen them in loads of stuff, you just never registered that it's them. It was burlesque. You know how much you love burlesque. I do love burlesque. I'm not even joking. I unironically. I've, I've never seen it to be fair. I love that film, but I'm a sucker for like a film that's got a good um, bunch of dance sequences and good songs. So give me that at any point. And it's got Cher in it. Cher's fucking brilliant. Um, see your future and why not coming up. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that film. At least it's I've got a, a justifiable reason to watch it if I've got to watch it for a podcast. It's very true. It's very true, dude. Um, yeah, it's Wife one comes that... over and I'm watching Burlesque. Like, what <laughs> fuck are you doing it was, for a podcast? <laughs> it was one of them for ages. I was like, I'm not fucking watching this. And then it's, you know, it's one of them that the missus puts on and then you go, oh, this is great. <laughs> I ended up liking it more than her. Um, <laughs> we had, I think, I, I can't, I think we've got it on DVD. Um but if we've got it on DVD, it's because I wanted it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I just, I like a good story like that. It was like, um, a, is it Rock of Ages as well? Again, I've never seen all of that. I've seen bits of it and enjoyed what I've seen, but I've never actually sat to watch the whole thing. First couple of times we watched it, it was really good. But I remember we watched it recently and went, oh, this isn't as good as we remember. But it does have some really good songs in it. We had that recently with Moulin Rouge. My wife loves Moulin Rouge, and the last time she watched it, she was like, this film's kind of fucking annoying. Oh, don't say that. That's on one of my top tens as well, but it's been a long time since I've watched it. Oh, no. (laughs) We loved it. There's still bits in it that I love, but there are also bits that are just kind of like, this feels a bit clunky now. Mm, (laughs) That's interesting. It'd be interesting because I have that with certain films that I've watched a lot, where sometimes I'll watch them, I'll be like... I don't know if I like this film as much as I thought I did. And then yeah. I'll watch it another time and I'll be like, I absolutely fucking love this film. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. <laughs> um, but I, that tends to be how I am with films, is that I'll love a film and because I'm fairly obsessive personality, I will watch it to death to the point yeah. where I'm like, I do not want to watch that fucking film. I don't know what I was fucking thinking. Yeah, I like then, I, I like some rubbish though, mate. I mean, there's loads oh, I of do stuff as well. Yeah, um, that was the problem when we were picking films when we were doing the movie fights is that like the films that i like that i know other people don't like i can 100 percent see why they don't like them and why they are objectively bad to them yeah and i it makes it difficult to defend a film yep it's 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 like i like the star wars prequels but if anybody says they're shit i can be like yeah no i fully understand why you feel that way yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna fight you on it i just yeah. happen to really quite enjoy them well there's <laughs> maybe a, there's not attack a... the clones but... no there is a reason that um, that strip that I did with Dave, nobody has Fifty Shades of Grey in it. And that's because I like Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Not the books, but I like the films. Um, see, I tried to watch the film, but I was like, this is just an erotic Thomas Crown affair. I <laughs> see, I've never seen the Thomas Crown affair. So so I love that film. Ah, okay. 
the the uh, Pierce Brosnan remake. I cannot get on with the Steve McQueen one, which is blasphemy to some people. But the Steve McQueen one is boring as shit. What's the film I'm thinking of that's Tom Hanks that has Crown? Is it Larry Crown? Larry Crown. Right. Okay. See, when people say Thomas Crown affair, I just think of <laughs> Tom Hanks. No, Thomas Crown affair is the film. Pierce Brosnan steals a painting. Ah, okay. Um, okay. But yeah, the original of that, I watched it not long after watching the remake because I saw the remake first. I didn't like it, and then a couple of years ago it was on telly. Mm. I thought, I'm going to give this another go. I'm older now. I'm a bit more removed from my love of the remake, as much as I still love it, and do watch it every year. I, <laughs> but I was just, I was like, this is boring as fuck. And then I looked yeah. at the wife, she's like, why the fuck are we watching this? It is dull as shit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't get how this film was seen as like the sexy movie of the 60s. Yeah, yeah. there's loads so, of them like that, though. But I've seen sexier stuff from the 60s. <laughs> yeah, carry on films. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Bond films. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, exactly. But, but anyway, I mean, that sort of does the Green Mile. Usually I talk about sequels and remakes and that sort of thing, but it, it's a no to both for me. So. Yeah, no, no way. I, I don't know where you'd go with the sequel. No, I, there's there's no way. There is absolutely the no way. Mile. I, the, the only way that you could do it is if you followed um, old man o, old man Paul and seeing how long he survived and maybe if he changed some lives along the way. But do you know what I mean? They covered everything in that movie. Again, though, it'd just be a sad film about an old guy who exactly. can't connect with anybody because he still loves his wife. So Exactly. And he, in my mind, that guy wasn't like, you know, he's dead i've lived a long time i'm gonna start plowing other old people in the old people <laughs> yeah even you just made friends yeah um but like they wrapped everything up he, he says uh you know we got transferred to other sections um or other like the boys the kids correctional or something he's like that was a good job but like that's the end of his working yeah. story right there so he's there's no more of that um he's made that he's talking to is dead. Uh, he's got nobody else except for Mr. Jangles. And he says he doesn't know how long he's going to live. So now he's going to be dodging the government forever. I was going to say, I imagine he must be a nightmare for the government because once his money runs out. Yep. Because <laughs> yep. I imagine living in assisted living in America. <laughs> yep. It's not cheap in this country. I can't imagine it. I had a funny feeling that he would maybe reach a certain age and then he just goes to another town and goes by another name or something yeah. like that or, or something you know what i mean i just i don't know you it depends about... on a tv series and that like, yeah you there know, is highway to heaven or incredible hulk where he just goes from town to town well there we go there's with mr jingles in his pocket the whole time <laughs> um there you go there's there's a sequel <laughs> See, i like the idea that he owns that hut and that's why nobody else has ever touched it yeah probably yeah i like to think that he actually owns the home oh nice there's a small part of me that thinks that maybe he owns the home uh, and that that's why he gets off with it. He just he, He's okay to be a resident there, but he actually owns the home. And uh, that's how he, he keeps the anonymity. And he keeps a rolling uh, staff going. So they're only there for like five years and then they're on to something else, you know. Or he, or he punts them if he thinks they're there too long. There's just a quiet letter from up above comes in and they go oh well sorry you know staff cuts we need to let you go and it's actually just him out in his hut typing on letterhead you know tick 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 
be like, who fucked me off today? Yeah, the toast guy is asking too many questions. <laughs> yeah, it's time to get rid of somebody else, Mr. Jangles. Chick, 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 chick. Yeah, right. That There is potential for a sequel there. <laughs> It's murder she wrote, but it's just murder she fired or something like that. Paul Edgecombe's hit list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and remake-wise, like, you couldn't do it. No. I think if they ever say that they would be remaking The Green Mile, there's no fucking chance I'd watch it. No way. Wouldn't even entertain it. I would try everything in my power to just ignore that it exists. Because there's that small thing in the back of my mind that regardless of the original still being there and untouched and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's just a horrible thing that obviously you get into conversations with people and you would have to say the Tom Hanks Green Mile. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to just say the Green Mile. You would now have to then say the Tom Hanks Green Mile or the 2000 Green Mile. It happens with Batman all the time. When I say to people, yeah. ba- Batman, and they go, what one? I'm like, oh, for f- I mean Adam West, get a fucking grip. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, if I was going to say any of the rest of them, I'd name the actors. But when I say Batman, I mean Adam West. Get, fucking well, is, get, get with it. It's, it's either Batman or it's Batman 89. Batman Begins yeah, or it's, Batman. It just annoys me. If you remade it, you'd have to set it in depression, but then you'd have to have the old... You couldn't move away from that. So you'd have to have old man even more in the future. Yeah. And there's nothing in this film that takes it. The only thing that... It's the fact it's a Stephen King story is why they'd potentially look at it because they every so often like to go back through Stephen King's catalogue. Yeah, well, because every so often you get a version of it or something that hits, and everyone's like, "What we got in the Stephen King fucking canon?" Is horror though? It's slightly different. It is, yeah. Um, Yeah, that's the one thing against uh, in favour of it is that it isn't a Stephen King horror. Yeah, and it's. I think uh, I think they would be really hard pushed if they ever said that they were going to redo Shawshank yeah. as well. well. I think I, I think that film lost so much money in the cinema that they wouldn't ever touch it again. Anyway, I fucking hope not. Like that's I the just, one good thing it's got going for it is that it is technically a box office failure. That and that both of those films have the Grim Reaper from Bill and Ted in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. Yeah, they do. Not playing Twister though. No, but <laughs> at he no must... point do they sink his battleship. No, but he must be a friend of um, Frank Darabont's to be to be in both of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I did think about that. I was thinking like he must he must be a pal of theirs. Yeah, I know uh, um, Jeffrey Demun is, isn't he? Because he's also in the Mist. I'm pretty sure he's in the Majestic as well. Well, it's been a long yeah. time since I've seen the Majestic, so also Jim Carrey, I can't really remember. And also, he was obviously in Walking Dead. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Also, Frank Darabont writes for The Walking Dead as well. So We did for the first series, didn't he? And then they... He's credited. mostly booted him off. I think he's still got a credit as the series creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think that's got to stay. Because that was the whole thing with John Bernthal, why he wanted to go. Ah, okay. It was because they sort of screwed Frank Darabont over. Allegedly, I don't know the full details of it i'm believing so. anything that berenthal says because i don't want to get battered <laughs> Allegedly. Also, yeah also i love that man so i will just believe anything that he says <laughs> but but yeah um ironically with the mist spoiling the end of the mist with stephen king it was like don't do that ending oh really and it was frank darabont that was like no i'm doing that fucking ending nice i think even I'd... the studio begged him not to do that ending 
I keep meaning to rewatch that. I just can't. That ending. <laughs> I just, I, I really like Frank Darabont. Like, he's got a good track record. And also because it takes a big person to be a big name in Hollywood and only make a handful of films. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that's incredible. My favourite thing about The Mist is, have you seen the Drew Struzan documentary? No, I've not. Right. It says Tom Jane spent ages, because obviously the painting he does in The Mist is a, he's meant to be like a Drew Struzan type yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he spent ages studying his technique and how his hands move and that. And then after the film, he was like, Tom Jane came up to him and was like, so, so, so. And Drew Struzan was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite thing about the mist. Like I say, otherwise that ending is so. It's not so much that bit of the ending; it's the double hit of the ending. Yeah, it is. That fucking really breaks me with that. Mm-hmm. So I remember going. I went with a friend. To, I met him at the cinema. We went to watch Hellboy two, and he'd gone earlier because he wanted to watch the mist. And I had to work, and he came out, and he was like. I don't know if I want to watch this. <laughs> I was like, was it good? Because I really want to see it. He was like, yeah, but that ending. He was like, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to need some time. <laughs> it's a killer. It is a total killer. <laughs> but it's it's not feel good like this one, even though this one ends with a mouse slowly breathing. But <laughs> <laughs> And his, you know, voice being like, how long have I got? And you're like, holy crap, man. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's good. There was a small part of me thinking, like, we'd be good to live a long time. And then I looked at him and thought, oh, maybe not. Not like that. Oof. Yeah. yeah he, still, he still gets about, but, oh, he's old. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd like to be old and move around like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the outliving my wife and kids and... <laughs> yeah. That's the one bit that, like, that's the one film that kind of brings me around to that. Because I, I sometimes have that little existential crisis of, like, I don't want to die. Like, I just want, I would love to live forever. Like, if they start replacing body parts like they do on bits on cars, then hell, sign me up tomorrow. But then this film kind of cements that of, like, no, nah, mate, you don't want that. It, it is <laughs> or you really... just put on the news and you're like, nah, fuck it. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put on the news and go, I can maybe go tomorrow. <laughs> my, my big fear at the moment is I'm going to outlive the planet. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, that's the fucker right enough. You don't want to be when they're like, if we don't start changing, this is what it's going to be like in 2030. I'm like, I don't want to live like that. <laughs> no, exactly. It's like I didn't realise there was a soil crisis, but that popped up the other day. I was like, oh fuck me. It's <laughs> just a fucking crisis on everything now. I know. It's uh, so. <laughs> if you can think of it, there's a crisis for it. <laughs> I want to look forward to being old and having grandkids and all that sort of shit. Just retiring, man. Yeah. Look, I, I want to retire and just sit and enjoy life. Be like the couples I used to see coming to HMV, who sort of pick up a film and hold it up to the other one. They'd either give it a yes or a no. <laughs> I want that sort of. I think there is a small part of you that this is where like practicing meditation and living within the moment and stuff like that comes in handy yeah if people can actually people that can actually do that um that that just works so well you know they don't make plans they just go like nope i'm living for now or whatever that must be so great but also 
I think a lot of those people are probably the ones killing the fucking planet as well. <laughs> because they're not living for tomorrow. They're just going like, I'm living in the moment now, and what I want to do is leave my shit on the floor. Ta-da! <laughs> I have to ask you something very important now. I know what you're going to say. You don't have to say it. No, I do. I do have to say it. John. Tell me what you want me to do. You want me to take you out of here? Just let you run away? See how far you could get? Why would you do such a foolish thing? On the day of my judgment, when I stand before God, and he asks me why did I, did I kill one of his true miracles, what am I going to say? That it was my job. It's my job. You tell God the Father it was a kindness you done. I know you're hurting in word. I can feel it on you. But you ought to quit on it now. I want it to be over and done with. I do. I suppose, you know, the live-in for a long time immortality thing brings us nicely onto the questions that I like to end this podcast with. Ah. So, uh, <clears throat> so good news. Hollywood has greenlit a movie in your life. You're being immortalised in film. Um, they've given you complete creative control, uh, but they've got a few things they want to know for your input in it. Oh, sorry, folks. So... <laughs> <laughs> Will your will the film of your life be fact, fiction, or a mix of the two? It's going to be fact. I'm going to I'm going to go with fact. Um, <clears throat> just because I don't know what I would make up. Like I don't know I don't know what I would throw in. I was thinking like, oh, if it was a film of my life, fiction, what would it be? And I was like, nah. Like I can't I can't make myself into a superhero or anything. I'm not doing any shit like that. But. I think if I was going to do it like fact, I would probably do something along the lines of like American Splendor. Yeah. Where it was like a mix of actual real life and like I was actually there and stuff coming on a set and speaking to the actors and stuff in the middle of the film and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was just depicting, you know, separate block bits throughout my life and stuff like that. Um, also, American Splendor is just a great film to copy. <laughs> <laughs> That's just an, that's an incredible film, one of the best comedy movies there ever was. Yeah. Um, it's just that that whole thing of like seeing Paul Giamatti uh, playing Harvey Pekar 
with Harvey like speaking to Harvey Picard being like am I doing this all right and stuff that's like wow <laughs> and it's not even that far into the film that that comes into it you know what I mean? yeah um it's just great like seeing them all there seeing uh Joyce and everything as well it's just like wow this is amazing yeah so it would it'd be fact and it'd be something like American Splendor awesome uh, all right then. Uh, what what genre then is it? I suppose you sort of touched on that with the American Splendor thing, but yeah. Well, it's also the fact that we went we went through it before, and I love a good sort of kooky hipster dramedy sort of thing. So it'd be along those sort of lines, yeah. So, and I think you can, in a way you could say that that's what American Splendor is really as well as like a kooky hipster drama dramedy in a way. It's it's funny <clears throat> because Harvey is the way he is. Yeah. It details the rest of the life, but there's a lot of drama and stuff in it as well. So, yeah, probably right. one of them. Who's playing you? I have three people that look nothing like me. No. <laughs> and are far too good looking. Um, so, I, 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 I narrowed it down to three people. One of them I actually, when I was younger, got told I looked like but only as a certain character. Uh, and I'm going to let you guess as to which one it was. Um, I don't put this pressure on me. <laughs> just because I'm putting pressure on you. <laughs> so I went, I've narrowed it to three. So I went for either Logan Lerman, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> or Paul Dano, or Dano, whatever way he says it. Oh. See... As somebody who once had a go go out with him because she said I remind her of Keanu Reeves, which I do not see at all, but I was happy <laughs> to go with it because she wanted to go out with me. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, you're right. Bang on. Just... Uh, what role? What role though? When, when I, it was when I was younger, so it was when I was like in my teens. Prince of Persia. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, with the hair, it wouldn't put it past it, honestly. <laughs> um, no, I do you know what, for, for the longest time, um, I think it was just because... Like, I'm not going to say Nightcrawler. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I think it was because I'm I was... hanging up now if it was Nightcrawler. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it was because I was uh, a total emo kid. I used to get Donnie Darko quite a lot. Yeah, um, but... Like genuinely, there was like a, there was like a whole swath of people for the longest time were like, oh, it's a guy, it's like fucking doppelgangers. I don't see it. I look at old pictures of myself and look at Donnie Darko and go, no chance. Well, I don't, I don't see the Keanu Reeves thing at all. But like, say she was after coaching to the point where I even started brushing my hair like his hair in the Matrix, <laughs> like a complete bell end. Yeah, that's what you do though, isn't it? I, I was I, just so happy to be along with going along with it and being like, this girl who's really actually probably out of my league and turned out was <laughs> <laughs> see i just become obsessed with it, the actor or the, the person in the band or whatever and then before i know it, i end up just imitating them and i think that's yeah. what it was i really like donnie darko so i started wearing like you know big skeleton type hoodies <laughs> skeleton t-shirts and big hoodies and stuff and just that kind of look and stuff just rocked it and like the messy hair and all that kind of stuff but yeah, um, I also just like Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I think yeah. he's an incredible actor. I've watched near enough everything he's in. Uh, Logan Lerman, for when I was younger, I think I'd probably, I probably looked more like him when I was younger, except he's a lot more handsome. But, you know, like, he's flawless. It's ridiculous. Um, and Paul Dano, I mean, I just think he's, that's just three incredible actors. And they're 
white and dark haired. <laughs> yeah, see, the only two I've ever had was the Keanu Reeves thing, and somebody once told me it looked like Dean Kane, which at the time I was like, that's really cool. But now I'm like, no, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Well, <laughs> Do we not were, associate with <laughs> We were watching Paul, Paul Dano. For those who play uh, And Why Not Bingo, that's another time we've thrown Dean Kane under the bus. <laughs> So throw him under the bus every time, it's fine. <laughs> it's become a thing where I just like to remind people that Dean Kane's a piece of shit now. Yeah, which is I'm not even going to throw him allegedly on that. Yeah, which is <laughs> a shame because he, he made an absolutely stellar Superman. Oh, he was my Superman grown up. As yeah, much as I love Christopher Reeve, he was the one in my impact play. He's the reason I wear fucking glasses. I loved his Clark Kent so much that as soon as I was told I had to wear glasses, but only for watching TV, I was like, fuck that, I'm wearing them all the time. Yep, yep. Look like a bell end because my stepmother picked my glasses for me and they were not. <laughs> <laughs> they they were big and gold and horrible. I looked like one of those fucking pictures of Des the serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> and not as played by uh, David Tennant either. So not even got that going for me. <laughs> All right then. The, the tricky one, the one that flummoxed. John Tucker in the last episode and led to a panicked answer. Uh, who's playing your love interest? Now, to clear this up, this is either your real life partner or a la, this is going to hurt, one that's made up for the purposes of the film. Um, okay, if it was one that was just made up uh, um, and I was actually going to be in the film in a way like American Splendor, then I would have to say Kirsten Dunst just so that I can steal her from Plemons and run into the sunset <laughs> fair enough i've got this um, image of you like in a howard stern style <laughs> it's my movie i'm playing myself <laughs> yeah exactly um no i just i, I mean kirsten dunst in spider-man was just like spot on like mm. i absolutely loved her but if it was to be based on a real life partner uh i'd probably say dakota johnson nice yeah i well, yeah. not that you're other half, but <laughs> there's just I've, so I've not... said, I can say that. It actually sounds really creepy now. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> just pull up the blinds here. Ah! Um, but um Pay no attention to the man at your window. <laughs> but you know, there's there's types you do I have... like JJ and all actually. <laughs> In this light. Yeah, if he was rough as fuck. Um <laughs> But I have actually said that to my my missus before that um she there's just certain aspects of Dakota Johnson that she that she kind of looks like like her hair and her eyes and stuff and she has the same kind of chin and all that kind of stuff like I just I don't know there's wee bits I said that before to her I've been like there's times I've caught pictures of Dakota Johnson I've just suddenly went oh it's oh no it's her <laughs> um I'm not like you know no everybody tries to be as complimentary as they can to their other half. I think comparing them to somebody else is maybe not the best. Is this but, so you can start pasting pictures of Dakota Johnson over the pictures of the two of you together? So yeah, you, you can't <laughs> right now, aren't you? Yeah, because I love. Unless you love. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's either Kirsten Dunst or Dakota Johnson or uh, Henry Cavill. So next question. <laughs> I can see it. Oh. Cavill with the tash or without? Mm. With the tash, but, with the CGI removed tash or no tash? With, give me that big caterpillar. Come on, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to see this film. <laughs> so he's a handsome man. God. Right, he, he, he could play me, but he, you know, nothing like me. <laughs> see, I thought the same, but he's not good looking enough. So. 
Oh, all right, okay. Yep. <laughs> As do you love interest? Fine. <laughs> um, all right, who's directing the film? Either Jason Reitman Ooh, or okay. or Joseph Gordon-Levitt off Ooh. of the back of, off the back of Don John, um, because that film was just pff, perfection. It's such a well crafted film, really well directed, and just the way that story is told. I mean, it's his film, you know what yeah. I mean. <clears throat> it's his film through and through and it's just an excellently well told story every shot is perfect um and the, the the it's not grand and huge on scale or anything he, he just he does a very well relatable story it's it's nice and he hasn't just directed anything else has he no i don't I'm think aware so because I, I need to watch that film again because i liked it but i didn't love it right um if that makes sense and but I appreciated how well made it was. I think it just makes you feel guilty about wanking. <laughs> <laughs> I never feel guilty about that. <laughs> um, no, it's, it is really good, though. It is really, really good. I just cry um, while I'm doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, no guilt. <laughs> and Jason Reitman, obviously, because I, I, I mean, I fucking love Juno. Um, but just... just it's just a really solid director and like uh, he does uh, really up in the good... air is an amazing film yes often incredible. gets overlooked but yeah but he just does really good real life films as well and they yeah. are they are kooky hipster dramedies most of yeah. them um young adult which, as well yeah i had all my i had all my my usuals that i was thinking about like i was <clears throat> i was going through the the rolodex in my head and being like david fincher no too dark Wes Anderson, no, too arty. Uh, Stephen Jabosky, I'm like, no, he did Perks of Being a Wallflower because it was his. Uh, Richard Curtis, mm, no, it's too white. And uh, <laughs> it's like Spike Jones, mm, no, he lost in translation, no. I can't, I can't not see him now because of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, they've all, like, it's all. I was going through like loads of them, and then I was like, "Why not just pick ones that you like the way they've done their films?" I was yeah. like, "Yeah, Jason, Jason Reitman, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt." Um, if I was going to definitively just pick one, I'd probably have to go with Joseph Gordon-Levitt over Jason Reitman, even though I do love uh, Reitman's stuff. Um, I th- Don John's just an incredible film; it's done amazingly. Yeah, well, that's a good show. It's not one that people go to either. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's just um, I like I like when somebody can do a uh, when somebody can do something and and tell it in a way that it's very believable. Yeah. But also whilst having extremely beautiful people in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that film is just filled with beauty. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, the well, guy yeah. that writes, directs it, and acts in it is just like a god. <laughs> I mean, I remember him being interviewed on Radio One at the time. I'm sure, it was Radio One. It was one of the radio interviews, anyway. And they asked him why he wrote it and why he cast Scarlett Johansson. He was like, "Because I just wanted to kiss her," which is, yeah. you know, <laughs> now is creepy. But <laughs> he's probably taking the piss as well. That's, that's, yeah, no, that's I, I think he was. <laughs> It was like that flippant Val Kilmer thing about what was it like working with Nicole Kidman on Batman Forever? I enjoyed kissing her. Yeah. 
It's like, what do you want me to say? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think they're the, everybody that was in the film as well. I think a bar from like a couple of them, he, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was actually good friends with all of them, um, which I just find incredible because I mean, like, there's a that little bit with Channing Tatum and Anne Hathaway playing like the people that are in the the rom-com film that's within the film sort of thing, yeah. and they're two of his best friends. So I'm just like, it's it's all people that he knew through his stages of life, but he's also really good friends with it. Yeah. Um. So obviously he's just gonna throw something like that because she's gonna be sitting at home pissing herself listening to that interview. You know what I mean? Being like, ah, Joe, you wanker. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's great. I love it. All right. Who's doing the score and or soundtrack? So as in soundtrack would be a bit like the Prince Batman soundtrack kind of thing, a concept album, Madonna's I'm Breathless to go with Dick Tracy, that sort of thing. It's all like, say, a score or and or a score. I I can't think of a score at all. I mean, I like a lot of um, composers on films, but I can't think of a definitive one where I would I would say like, yeah, that one right there. (laughs) Just a hands Uh, in a door. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I want Hans Zimmer and the most intense Batman music ever, (laughs) you know. This is just me going about going. Ah, oh, this is I'm I'm from I'm from Dundee, and this is the story of my life. <laughs> the wailing from the June soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> it's like holy crap. Uh, no, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be all needle drops. Um, so it's gonna be all just songs. It's just all songs, and it's gonna be compiled and put together by Zach Braff. Nice. Because that man could compile a soundtrack. He had a hand in the Scrubs uh, needle drops. Um, the Garden State soundtrack is fucking incredible. Uh, and he think he likes most of the bands that I like. So, bang, go for it, Zaggy. Go, just, just get on with it. <laughs> Zach Braff's love of Colin Hay from Men at Work made me realise there was more to Men at Work than just Land Down Under. Exactly. exactly. I fucking love that band now. Mm-hmm. At first, I was just like, yeah. Land Down Under. Yep. I just remember being like, who's Colin Hay? And then hearing Land Down Under and going, oh, it's him! <laughs> I can't believe it. It's the guy that gets put in the freezer with his guitar. <laughs> I love that version of Overkill that's in Scrubs. It's so good. But I, I mean, I love the original. I didn't like the Men at Work version originally. No. It's more up-tempo than... It's still a melancholic song, but it's, yeah. it's not as acoustic as. <laughs> but uh, I adore that song now, the Men at Work version. Just constantly. I, makes... I slip down a Men at Work rabbit hole. And... Yeah. Just Again, con- my obsessive personality. <laughs> it's like, I must listen to all albums. Yeah. You listen to one thing and that's it. You're gone. I love when shit does that to you. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, then. And finally, what's the title of the film? Well, speaking of Zach Braff, I am reminded of Garden State, uh, and I think I will go with a very similar thing, and I would have it be kind of like in the kind of like in the vein of Garden State and uh, Ladybird, in the the place in which it's shot is also part of the story. Um, if it was going to be about me, I mean, I've lived in Broughty Ferry for, you know, forever. Um, so I would have to have 
Broy Ferry be part of it. So I think uh, the title of the film would be The Ferry. Nice. Um, it doesn't sound like a glamorous thing, but you know, you just slap a picture of me screaming at the tay or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> at the top. <laughs> Still on a digger. Yeah, or st- <laughs> like standing outside a chip shop or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you know, just anything. Um, <laughs> Uh, I th- I'm reminded of Ladybird and the fact that it's just the side of her face uh, yeah. uh, or whatever. But you know, you do something like that, just me standing outside the Broy Ferry Castle or something, and it just being called the Ferry. Uh, you know, with with in in little sticker being like so- official soundtrack on sale from Zach Braff, or whatever. You know, what I mean, our playlist on Spotify or whatever. You know, and that'll that'll hook them in. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so what you got coming up? What should people be looking out for? Episode of 100 of That Comic Smells on the way, isn't it? Yeah, I've got 99 to go up next, which is a number three in a, in a set of reviews that we were doing. We had um, chats about comics. Um, we had a bunch that came through from Europe Comics and a bunch of ones that were sent through digitally and stuff. Um, and we did these reviews and it ended up going across three different times that we met up um so that one's to come out for number 99 a uh, number 100 has been recorded um i'll just say it now it's where we do issue 100s yeah uh, i mean if you mentioned that it's such a great fucking idea yeah so i'm i'm, I'm really I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming out because it was it was a lot of fun um tinged with a tiny bit of sadness because when we recorded it um ian kennedy had just passed away which was a bit sad yeah. but um so there's a little bit at the start of that um and then honestly it's just onward and upward but keep a i, I would say to folks with the podcast keep a, an ear out for um episode 100 because there will be a, a little just a little change uh coming just to kind of mark the uh the going forward for the podcast um, cool. nothing drastic but you know just a, a little something and um yeah we're just we're just constantly recording we're actually meeting up uh, next week which we're doing we're actually we normally meet up every month but we're actually meeting up uh, that's only two weeks since we did um secret wars cool and um that's just purely because my uh, work schedule is getting really busy so i didn't know when I was going to next see the guys kind of thing. So we just arranged that. Um, and obviously we've got the, the comic has come out uh, recently, issue two, yeah. um, which you kindly bought a copy of, mate. Thank you very, very much. That was very I, good. Yeah, you kindly sent me a free PDF of it. And I was like, I've got to buy this in print. <laughs> Not um, just because you sent me a free one. <laughs> just because I was like, I love reading comics in print. I'm not a big reading it on a screen. I'll read it on a screen if somebody sends it to me, obviously. Yeah. And, um, you know, I like backwards and forwards passing, you know, this mm-hmm. is what I'm working on. And people send me stuff they've been working on that. So I'd read it like that. But I'll always buy it in print as well. Unless yeah. it's, you know, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which it isn't. There's so many great ones. That I love um, King of the One-Liners, the Alan Henderson one. I love taking on a bus. 
<laughs> it's so good, isn't it? <laughs> it's just all of them are great, but <laughs> those two, those two in particular, they they came out amazingly in print. Like, I I know people say this about their comics all the time. Oh, it looks great in print, and it's always you know they really just want people to buy them. And like, yeah. if 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 that were the case, I would actually just come out with it and say it because I, I I I can't be bothered with the pretense of the bullshit. Like, I, if that were the case, I would just say yes. Oh, just buy it because it's in print now. But I genuinely think, I mean, one was great. Number one was brilliant, but number two, I think, has just I don't know what it is, but it it just turned out amazingly in print. I remember just flicking through the pages and like the king of the one liners. I think. I don't know if it's just like Al's great pages throughout it that kind of break it up or anything, or the fact that the guys just, I don't know, they just really brought it this time, you know. Um, I mean, it was amazing last time, and it was great because it was the first one, but it's just something. There's like an energy in this second one that's just that really shows, and the colours are just so different. Um, I mean, even Nando's black and white strip about... Um, about Kobe and 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 the story of the, yeah. the ball and, the ball and Kobe was just heartbreaking and yeah that one was great yeah <clears throat> it's just there's there's a lot to it and it kind of I mean there's even a real op- good mix of stuff in it as well mm-hmm. you have just you know it's not all you know, silly strips not yeah. silly in a you know derogatory term but you know it's not you know funny strips it's not all that it's it's a great mix of everything you guys both talk about and look for in comics kind of thing and uh, um, i love it and i love that you did a second one after the first one i love that you've mentioned that you know the third one is already being discussed and that mm-hmm. you've started it now you're going to carry on going until mm-hmm. yeah until we until we get bored yeah it's like you know there's no there's no other way of putting it you know you're not going to be like oh we're going to keep going forever and then we don't um no. As we soon will, as shit stops being fun, it's pointless doing it. Yeah, if we get any hint that it's it's not like somebody's come up to you and been like, "I'll give you a million pounds, but you've got to do." Yeah, so many. Or it's not like you've gone on Kickstarter and gone back the next seven issues now, and we'll. Yeah, exactly. We'll get to them when we get to them. <laughs> I. Uh, Joint. Yeah, we're just we're just putting. Uh, we're just putting our money where our mouth is as well, and just putting it out ourselves. You know what I mean? And we've made some money off of the first and second one that we just put aside and then put to the next one you know um and hopefully nobody wants to make money from it it's just nice to make enough money to be able to put into the next one isn't it (laughs) i'm just happy for people to read it yeah i was saying that to somebody because they're like oh you don't want to sell loads though or you know what are you doing it for you know what are you doing it for if you're not doing it to get a good profit off it i'm like i'm doing it because i want to like what else is there like if if i if I'm doing it just to make money, then you wouldn't get anything out of it. You would just you would just be getting bland crap. Well, yeah, I mean, it's um like I was because I sent some pages I'd done to Tony, and he was like, "You're doing a lot of stuff square now," and it's like it's because I can't decide whether I'm just going to stick it up on Instagram because mm. I don't really care about the money, and if I stick it on Instagram, I don't have to worry about paying to get it printed. Yeah. If people then want to buy a copy and I decide to print it, that's different. But it's just about getting things out there now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Never the did. whole selling things never appealed to me. No, it doesn't. Like, that initial me. rush of people that want to buy it, it's, I've got no, I'm not a hard seller. Mm. Same as with the podcast, I don't do the, you know, if you like it, subscribe, review, all that shit. <laughs> I just, you know, if people want to buy it, awesome. And occasionally, every so often, I'll get a ping that somebody's bought on my comments. Like, oh, that's really cool. 
Yeah. But at the same time, they're also all pretty much available to read free somewhere online. Yeah. I just... Like I say, people are either going to want it or they're not. You get the exactly. initial rush of people that it's out, I'll buy it now. And then, and without, I've not done a con for ages, so I'm not even doing it that way. But even when I did cons, I was never making me table money power, but it was never about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, so. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because I always thought like there'd be something in the back of my mind that would say like, oh, we need to print more and, you know, really get these out there. And all I keep thinking of is, no, we'll print what we've got. It'll go to the people that want it. And then when it's done, it's done. That's, yeah. that's it. My thing was always that rather than that, once I sell out, eventually if there's enough interest, I'd put a collection of everything together with some extra stuff in it. Mm-hmm. A bit like what John did when he put his collection together on Comic House kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Potentially do some of that. But at the moment, nobody's crying out for a book of the comics of Stuart Moraine. So. <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's been good. It's been an it's been a learning experience as well because obviously we've all taken on different roles with the different issues as well, um, and obviously I did pages this time as well. I never did. Yeah. I never really. I mean, I did two. <clears throat> I did two pages the last time, but it was it was freeform painting stuff that I'm really used to and can knock up quite quickly to be honest. But um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't it wasn't cartooning. I wasn't doing cartoon. I was doing, in my view, it was it was comics as far as I was concerned. I was I was telling a narrative story through abstract painting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and did that across two pages, which is like the middle centerfold of the the first comic, but this time I actually went for panels and a. Uh, but speech bubbles and characters and all that kind of stuff and um you know dialogue boxes and whatnot um and had to do five pages which was it was it was a lot of work but it was it was fun it was good to come to the end of it and have these five pages and look at them and go i made that yeah (laughs) it was just great your pages are great as well i'm always conscious of constantly sounding like i'm heaping praise on just because you're here but it's not that no, 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 not at all, man. If, 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 it's, if you like something, you say you like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't, you just don't mention it. Or, quiet, you, yeah. or, or you just flat out say, yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> um, because, well, you know me, I'm not going to take it to heart. I don't, that just, just doesn't put me on or down. You don't enjoy something, you don't enjoy it. You can't be helped. You know what I mean? Um, it's not like you're throwing it back and being like, I fucking hate this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd find that odd if somebody said that. Uh, to be fair, I would be yeah. going, what in it was so offensive? <laughs> um, taking the bus really hit home for some folk. <laughs> it's funny, though, because anybody that I've shown it to has said that straight away. They're just like, taking the bus, man. That's amazing. <laughs> I just I love it. It's, it's so funny. and It's great because it plays on that you know parody of taken level but it also plays on that thing of leaving your bag in that little bit at the front of the bus yeah <laughs> and just constantly watching it it's like you might as well have just kept it with you <laughs> so good it's just like to open on uh like you open it up and you get the whole familiar thing of alan henderson's penguin yeah but it's us um and then it's like yeah there's the familiar thing of what 
uh, we are and what Alan is. Now, when we get to Alan strips in here, forget that. This is something entirely different. This is, we're not we're not doing that anymore. This is just to show you that he's here. That he, this is the guest sort of thing. Yeah. Just like just like with John with his pages in the first one, it was quite clear that this was John's pages because each of the pages were black. Um, everything was done in his style. Everything was you know really bright colours. It was it was oranges, blues, and yellows and pinks. You know what I mean? Like everything was really bright. Yeah. And it came. Um, sort of almost centre-ish sort of thing um, and it, it just really it stood out from, from the rest and it's kind of what I wanted to do with the guests as well was kind of show off their show off their stuff and amongst all like obviously showing all our stuff as well but showing that you know these these people aren't just they aren't just something else with within it. It's like it's really shining a, a light and being like we we asked this guest to come along for a reason. This yeah. is what they can do. You know what I mean? Um, and it was a different thing for John as well because he was doing a story that I had written. Um, so that was that was the kind of difference in it as well. Was like John's not done. I think he's maybe only done like one or two things like that before. Yeah. You know I mean, um, so yeah, it was it was. Uh, it was it was really something, and and, and like Alan's <clears throat> pages then broke the whole comic up in in places as well. I mean, obviously there were single pages from Mike and stuff as well, but it just it really broke the structure up of it, of it. So we had our pages, and then it was just it was almost like Al's was like the little information the uh, intermission palate cleanser before you go into the next thing. Yeah. Um, and it worked so well as well because it was something different from him. You were looking at it and going, "And this is the penguin guy, you know, <laughs> like, wow, like he's really, he's really pushing it out here. This is great. King of One Liners, the endings at the end, uh, you know, good things come to those who wait. Um, it was just, oh, it was brilliant. It was just brilliant. Um, even as you know, th- think things were better before. Uh, such and such a date or whatever and it's like it's just so good um it's amazing i just I absolutely love that that's awesome um so where can people find it if they want to buy it online and where can people find the podcast as well you can find links to everything uh i put, I put absolutely everything up on a link tree um and you can get to it by going to that um and that just you know the, the socials, you know, the the Twitter, the Instagram, our email address, um, the the shop, the podcast, and all the places to get it. Um, Dave's blog, um, everything is all there at thatcomicsmell.com. But if you want to go straight to the comics, uh, issues one and two are available on Big Cartel at thatcomicsmell.bigcartel.com. Crack it, awesome. I'll put all, all the links in the show notes as well. Um, as usual so i find linktree so much easier now yeah they are I've got a link so tree. much easier yeah exactly exactly and it takes like two minutes to knock them up as well yeah it's great it's great i just every so often get a notification and it's like i don't know what the fuck that is go away <laughs> <laughs> awesome cheers for that man i think we've gone almost as long as the film so <laughs> by the time i've edited the clips in <laughs> yeah that's fine that's the way it should be frank frank darabont would be proud <laughs> Awesome. Cheers for that, man. Thanks, man. Take care. See ya. I lie in bed most nights thinking about it. And I wait. I think about all the people I've loved. 
now long gone. I think about my beautiful Jen, how I lost her so many years ago. And I think about all of us walking our own green mile, each in our own time. But one thought, more than any other, keeps me awake most nights. If he could make a mouse live so long, how much longer do I have? We each owe a death. There are no exceptions. But oh God, sometimes the Green Mile seems so long. And that was the Green Mile. I'd like to thank Tom for joining me on this episode and discussing the film with me. Uh, Be sure to check out That Comic Smell podcast and issue two of the comic. Um, I'll put the links in the show notes where you can find them online, that sort of thing. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. Um, I really appreciate it if you do, but if you don't want to, completely understand. Uh, If you've missed any episodes of And Why Not so far, you can find them on our podcast channel, which is The Nerds Who Haunted Themselves. If you search that, they'll be mixed in with those. Um, or you can find the list of all the films we've covered so far on our website at hauntednerds.com on the And Why Not page, or we have an And Why Not list over on Letterboxd for people who are on there. Uh, There are only two more episodes to go after this one before we take a short break, but fear not, because for ten weeks this summer, starting on the 7th of June and running until the 16th of August, with a week's break in the middle of the ten, um, I will be joined by a series of guests to talk about some of the 80s and 90s best action movies and Taffin but before that you can join me back here in two weeks for another movie chat when I'll be joined by the aforementioned Alan Henderson to talk about the righteous dude himself in Ferris Bueller's Day Off so until next time thanks for listening and try to keep the cheese on your cracker bye for now I think this boy's cheese slid off his cracker <laughs>